The following program may contain material or language that may be considered objectionable. Parental guidance is suggested.
All right, good evening and welcome to another edition of SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. As always, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, and we got a big show for you guys tonight. We're going to be running down what happened last night on the go-home edition of Monday Night Raw, as this Sunday we'll be covering uh, Battleground, the, the pay-per-view, the special event, whatever you want to call it, by the WWE this weekend as a part of Sunday Night Showdown. We're going to be talking about what happened on NXT last week. We're going to talk about all the news of the week, and there's a lot to get off our chest this week. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to any of that, I want to welcome my co-host each and every week on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the NYC that's storming like a bitch. He is Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella, but tonight I got a special nickname for him. Tonight he's Puddles, Tony J. Mirabella. What's going on, dude? Good evening, JJ. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> good to be, good to be here again. Welcome man. back, Puddles. I, I guess you'll have to explain that story. Oh, I don't no, know. No, 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 I, I don't no, know no. if you want no, to explain. No, no. You're going to explain the story, Puddles, not me. Well, today on the way home from work, because it was raining like a bitch, and the, some of the buses on my line are older than Ric Flair. No one uh, told me that there was a leak in the ceiling and I sat in a wet seat. And thank God it turned out it was water. Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. The worst part of it is, though, after that happened, you know, I'm like The Undertaker. I've died twice in 24 hours, once watching Raw and again recapping it. <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad for you on that one. That, uh, that does kind of suck, bro. But, yeah, it was water, thank God. See, because in New York, you never know what liquid could be on a seat. Well, see, you're you're the guy that's always talking about going on the transit, the train, the bus. You're a pro at this stuff. You do it all the time. And it's like I told you. Didn't you check before you sit? I, Dude, anytime I take transit here in Calgary or anywhere, for that matter, I always make sure that the seat that I'm going to take doesn't have liquid in it isn't disgusting doesn't have sticky gum or any other crap on it and you broke the cardinal rule you sat in a puddle bro what the fuck happened to you i usually check the seats all the time what happened was i had like two packages i was carrying home and i just figured okay i'll just sit and it was the one time i didn't check i ended up getting screwed so what are you gonna do man it happens i mean you're in new york you could have sat on a hypodermic needle well, I looked at the seat. The problem is the seats on these buses, they actually put, and to this day, this baffles my mind, like carpeting on the seat. So you really can't see if it's wet. You can see if there's shit on it, but unless you touch it, you actually can't tell if it's wet or not. So I didn't sit on any hypodermic needle, thank freaking God. You know, I didn't pull an Abdul of the Butcher and end up getting hep C. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, I was worried that you might have... Uh you know, you talk about a puddle. I was a little worried that we might have to sponsor the show with Depends tonight. Yeah, I know. I, I made the mistake of putting that on Facebook, and probably one of my best friends made fun of me and you, and my own mom made fun of me. She thought the shit was hilarious. So I thought the shit was hilarious. Who doesn't check the seat before they sit there, bro? Seriously. I love you, but, man, come on. In New York, <laughs> was, you got to check, bro. 
I always do. It was just one of those laps in judgments. And as always that happens in life, the one time you have a lapse in judgment is when you end up getting screwed. That's a good point. That's a good point. But other than that, how's your week been? Pretty good, man. I mean, other than having to, you know, run away like Stephanie after getting slapped by fucking Brie Bella and having the back of my shit wet. Other than that, it was uh, it was an okay day. It's been an okay week. I'm just uh, glad that it's not so fucking hot. But, you know, it is what it is, man. I've been looking forward to the show tonight because today I've just been running around doing all kinds of shit. And, you know, when we get to Raw, I think we both got a lot of shit to say. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, for me, it, it's been a it's been a crazy week. I've been in dad mode, especially today. But really, over the last four or five days, I've been uh, super busy with doing my daddy duties. So uh, it's it's been fun. We set up a, an outdoor above ground pool. Nothing major, man. We're talking like a 12 foot by like 30, 30 inches. So it's like, you know, a little over two feet deep. You know, nothing, nothing too big. Uh, you know, just basically a wading pool, right? So I go and pick this thing up on Friday. We set it up on Sunday. And my fucking yard is not level. Like, in the, in the backyard, I, I, I looked all around the place, put a level on the ground. There's not one area of my yard that's completely level that I could put this pool in. So the, the one space that I did put it in in front of the gazebo was fairly level. I set this thing up. It takes all fucking day uh, to fill. And... Lexi and I actually played around the pool for a little bit, which was stupid because I didn't put any sunscreen on. And I got sunburnt badly. Like, I, I'm still, a couple days later, I'm still looking like a lobster, and my back is fucking killing me. Uh, so I've been putting aloe vera and stuff on my back, and, and it's it's been a pain in the ass. But I have been super busy with the girls. I took Dakota today to get a library card because um, she hasn't, well, she wanted one for a while, and I've been busy with other things, so I picked her up from school today, took her and got her a library card, and I've just been on the go all day. So I'm glad to just kind of sit back, relax, and talk a little wrestling, and who knows what else we're going to talk about tonight. It's going to be fun, I think. Damn, you turned into the fucking Human Torch, and I turned into Aquaman, so it worked out. I don't know, man. I, I think the Human Torch is better. At least, I, you know, I mean, what does Aquaman really do at the end of the day? He talks to fish. Now, does this pool, even though I, from what I gather, it's not that big, does it come with a filter so you don't have to keep refilling it? Correct. There is a filter. Oh, cool. Okay. That's not a bad deal. Yeah. For, you know, it's not bad having a little pool. Shit. One thing about living in an apartment that sucks, because I, I used to love it, man. I wish I still had a pool. Oh, yeah, man. I, it, with with the, the, uh, the season here, like I said, usually we get about nine or ten months of really cold weather. And then we get springish, which kind of turns into summer for like a month. And so it gets a little hot, but it doesn't last long. I mean, by the end of August, it's cooling down again. So, you know, for, for the next month or so, we've got a pool to play around in. It's cool. So it's nice. Uh, did, did you pull like a Roy Jones Jr. and, you know, try throwing the punches underwater? No, no, because I, I can't fully go underwater. It's only like two feet deep, right? So, Well, yeah. I mean, he used to do that until he started getting knocked the fuck out. Then he retired. So, well, good point there, my friend. But uh, like I said, you know, just just been busy being uh, being daddy. So other than that, that's all I got to say about my week. But uh, we do have a lot to talk about on the program tonight. Like I said, we are going to run down what happened last night on Monday Night Raw. I don't know why we would because it wasn't that great a show. 
there were some things on there that were interesting that we should talk about. But for the most part, uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. There were? Uh, okay, there was like one thing that happened. We'll talk about that <laughs> when we get to the reaction. Uh, but before we do any of that, we do need to get down to business. Let's go ahead and take a trip back in time. Let's load up the DeLorean. Crank that son of a bitch up to 88 miles per hour and join Sean Beckerman with another episode of This Day in Wrestling History. You know what time it is as we relive this day in wrestling history. Let's go back over a decade ago. 12 years to be exact. As on this night, I sat inside the Continental Airlines Arena at the time. Now the IZOD Center, formerly known as the Meadowlands Arena. As I was one of over 15,000 fans witnessing history in the making. That night, we all witnessed Eric Bischoff showing up on WWE Monday Night Raw and actually hugged the chairman himself, Vince McMahon. There's little arguing that the Monday Night Wars in the late 1990s took the professional wrestling industry to new heights, new levels it's never ever seen before and may never see again. When the WWF led by Vince McMahon was battling it out with World Championship Wrestling WCW led by Eric Bischoff, the business could not have been any healthier. Ratings were through the roof as both companies pushed each other to the limit and to be better creatively and all of us fans reap the benefits. The rivalry between the two companies was both real and imagined. When you think back on it, it seemed almost impossible that Eric Bischoff would be on WWE television. McMahon promised to announce a new general manager of Raw on this date. As the brand split was in full effect, initially split by co-owners Ric Flair and Vince McMahon. And as soon as they found out Ric Flair was meant to be a wrestler, a professional wrestler, rather than an owner and matchmaker, McMahon and Creative went to the general manager route. SmackDown had Stephanie McMahon, and Raw was about to receive its new head honcho. History was in the making on this very night. As Mr. McMahon, Vince McMahon, the owner of WWE, came out to announce the new general manager of Monday Night Raw, as the words Eric Bischoff blasted throughout the microphone and blared through the speakers in the arena, the crowd erupted. I could not believe it. My draw actually dropped. Drool almost coming out as we heard Back in Black by ACDC. Blair through the speakers, Eric Bischoff was now a part of the WWE. They hugged for entirely too long. Then McMahon shook his hand far too enthusiastically and raised it for all to see. This was blatantly used for shock value. Allow me to introduce you to the new general manager of Raw. His name is Eric Bischoff. For those of you who may not 
know me, my name is Eric Bischoff, and I used to run WCW. Not that watered-down version, by the way, that invaded this company, but the real deal. When Vince McMahon needed star power, I was ruthless. Hell, I signed everybody he had. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Roddy Piper. It went on and on and on. Hell, I was like a kid in a candy store. I signed Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Oakland just for the hell of it. Remember, remember back when Raw was taped every other week and Nitro was live? And I decided to go on the air two minutes before Raw, and I gave away everything that happened on Raw so you people didn't have to watch it. Hey, remember when I created the NWO? Ruthless, aggressive, not some stale retread. Nitro beat Raw 84 weeks in a row. And I came this close to putting this company out of business forever. Let's face it, the WWE needs me. You people deserve me. And there's one thing I want to promise each and every one of you people. I am here to put the E in WWE. I'm back, and I'm better than ever. What an amazing moment in professional wrestling history. JJ and Bronx, I love to hear your thoughts, as in my opinion, I feel they truly flushed millions of dollars down the toilet, as I feel you could have done so many different angles or different ways to introduce Eric Bischoff into the company, one of which, and a lot of you agree as well on the internet and fans nationwide that are just fanatic or love the Monday Night Wars in general and follow the product, they felt a better way to go, and this is exactly my idea. The moment I heard Bischoff's name involved with WWE is, why didn't they do the invasion angle with Bischoff leading the charge? In my opinion, I think Bischoff should have come in to invade the WWE in a better fashion than the original invasion angle. It would have felt real if Bischoff took the charge and tried to take McMahon out of his own company. For this day in wrestling history, Sean Beckerman signing off until next week. Stay old school, my friends. Sean Beckerman, this day in wrestling history, talking about <laughs> Eric Bischoff returning to wrestling on Monday Night Raw, one of the biggest shocks, I think, in the history of Monday Night Raw. That was one that I did not see coming, you know, especially considering the relationship between Eric Bischoff and one Vincent Kennedy McMahon during the Attitude Era when WCW was out to put Vince out of business. The fact that Vince McMahon would hire Eric Bischoff and make him the GM of Raw was just something that was unthinkable. Well, I mean, you know, I agree with Beckerman in a lot of what he said. I mean, look, the bottom line is this. The whole WCW-ECW invasion angle was completely botched. I mean, that could have been one of the biggest angles in WWE history if they had done it right. But with that being said, I agree with you. When when Bischoff came, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And even though back then, like, <clears throat> pardon me, the IWC wasn't as big as it was now, I knew, you know, you didn't need 
PW Insider. You didn't need all the wrestling news sites to know that there was genuine animosity between those two people. And that hug in the ring, it was like, if Vince was looking for shock value, he got it. Because that shit, that was crazy. That was probably one of the biggest what-the-fuck moments in wrestling history. Well, I mean, you know, let's let's go back and, and look at what transpired. You know, Vince McMahon, I think at one point in time, had turned down Eric Bischoff for a job, is my understanding. He wanted to work for WWE. Vince McMahon wasn't interested in him. He ended up working for WCW. He ended up getting the executive uh, vice president spot. They give him that over JR. I think JR was in the running for it, and Bischoff came in and pretty much cock-blocked JR. And then JR was released not too long after that, went to the WWE. So Bischoff takes over. He makes creative changes. And then Ted Turner says, well, what can we do to be competitive with Vince McMahon? And Bischoff says, well, give me, give me a couple hours in primetime. And so Turner gives him the, the time in primetime. And right out of the gate, this guy was just completely an ass. He was ruthless. He was vile. The fact that he would go on television in the first couple of minutes and spoil what was going to happen on the taped Raws. Because Raw wasn't ta- was, was taped every other week. It wasn't live every week. And he would come on and spoil the results. You know, and then he would sign Vince's talent. You know, obviously, the Hulk Hogan signing of WCW was probably uh, the gate opener. I think without Hogan, you might not have had, uh, you know, WCW rise in the ratings. It did take them about a year and a half for that to happen. But signing Hogan, in my opinion, was completely botched the way they did it. They immediately put him in a feud with Ric Flair. His first match in, he wins the world title. That should have been something that would have been saved up for a Starcade or a Super Brawl or whatever, right? And then after that, you know, they start up the NWO. They, they you know, solicit Hall and Nash. They're, they're offering these guys these huge contracts that WWE cannot obviously match. You know, I don't remember what they, they hired Hall and Nash for, but it was like a substantial sum of money. And they had an agreement that they were the highest paid people on the roster. That when they hired new people and brought them in, they still had to be the highest paid talents. So, yeah, there was some ruthless shit going on there. So the fact that Eric Bischoff would be showing up on a Monday Night Raw, just having a job there, not even the general manager, but for him to even be working for Vince McMahon was a complete and utter shock. That was one I never saw coming up. You know, I love the, the vignette with Booker T in the back when he walks up and talks to Booker, and Booker looks at he goes, Did I, you know, tell me I did not just see that. Yeah. You know, and then you did have that very awkward hug between Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff. You know, you even had Shane McMahon saying, Don't do this, Dad, it's a mistake. Because we all thought Shane was going to be the GM. And they swerved us big time with Eric Bischoff. That was a huge moment in the history and that was one of the biggest shocking moments in the history of raw so i gotta give vince credit the shock value was there for sure i'll never forget that raw i almost wonder and i've been wondering this for two decades now since it's been so long since it happened where like maybe it was you know vince knowing what would would be good for business but on the other hand maybe it was just nice knowing that every month this guy is feeding his family because I have to sign this check for him. 
He's an underling now. He's working for me. And I'm not saying that's where Vince's mind was. Maybe he just did it for, again, he knew it was good for business. But I think a little ego had to be involved, too, where my biggest competitor is now my employee. Yeah. I mean, you know, shit. I mean, if you're, if you're McDonald's and you can... you you know, hire the COO of fucking Burger King to flip burgers in the back, that's a big deal. A lot of people will say that Vince McMahon, you know, kind of got what he deserved on that one because if you look back at the rise of the WWF, you know, Vince undercut a lot of territories. He bought out a lot of talent. I mean, he bought Mean Gene Okerlund from the AWA. You know, Mean Gene was a staple in the AWA, and Vince offered him big money. Same with Bobby Heenan. Hulk Hogan was a part of the AWA. Like, he lured a lot of guys away. So there is comparisons to be made. I don't think Vince was ever so ruthless and cutthroat that he wanted to put another company out of business so that they could not compete or that they could not feed their families. And to me, that's exactly what Bischoff was doing. He had a vendetta, and he didn't care how many people were unemployed. He didn't care. He just wanted to put them out of business. And in the end, I think that that cost him more than anything else, and he got what he deserved. But a lot of people would say that Vince probably got his just desserts on this one. You know, I remember reading this, and I'm talking like 10 years ago I read this shit, so I do not know where to find it. Where I think somebody had asked Bischoff in an interview, had the things gone backwards and WWF had gone out of business and WCW stayed on top of the mountain, if Vince McMahon came to you asking for a job, would you have done the same thing? And this was after, I think, Bischoff was hired by Vince. And he blatantly said, no, I wouldn't have hired him. See, that's interesting because uh, supposedly Bischoff talks about the phone call he had with Vince when Vince called him and offered him a job. And he asked Vince, why are you offering me a job? And, and he ba- Vince basically told him that had the, the situation been reversed, I would like to think that you would have offered me a job. And Eric respected that, and that's why he agreed to work for Vince. So I don't know. I mean, if, if Bischoff was like that, again, I mean, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, he did have a successful run there for a couple of years. Uh, you know, as far as Beckerman says, you know, they, they wasted millions of dollars. I don't think they did. I think they had a good run with Bischoff as the heel GM. The stuff with Stone Cold, I enjoyed. When they were the co-GMs and they were feuding, I still think that Survivor Series 2003 is built on one match, and it was the the Austin versus Bischoff, which was probably one of the best Survivor Series matches ever in the history of, of that company, of that event. Uh, it was just amazing to go back and watch that match. And... I think they got their money's worth out of Bischoff. I think toward the end, yeah, there was not much in the tank for him. And I was kind of glad to see him go when they got rid of him. But I don't know. I think they actually did a pretty good job with Bischoff. They did things I wasn't expecting them to do with him. So I'll disagree with Beckerman. I don't think they wasted millions of dollars on Eric Bischoff. I think that he had a good couple of years, and he made some positive changes for Raw. And he was a good uh, you know, foil for the heroes. Well, the other thing is, too, the WWF purists at the time, the fans, you know, he had legit heat. I mean, they really hated this guy because even through the Monday Night Wars, you had your loyalists. Me, when both companies were good, I watched both companies. But you did have your hardcore loyalists. You know, you had your WCW fans and your WWF, WWE fans. It would be like God 
hiring Satan to man the pearly gates. That's how huge it was. Because I remember the crowd reaction when he came out, and it was priceless. It was almost, almost as good as when freaking Brock beat Taker for the streak. Because everyone in that crowd, there weren't boos at first. What there was was silence, and you just could see everyone mouth, what the fuck? So I, it was it was huge. I'm just I'm looking at the chat room and uh Mac Daddy says, to be fair, the Raws Bischoff were spoiling all sounded pretty terrible. He was probably saving wrestling fans a lot of time. I would agree with you on, on that, except that when he's going out and spoiling what's happening on Raw, we're talking shows that had probably T. L. Hopper and the Goon and some of the other stupid gimmicks that WWE had. But believe me, I'd rather watch T.L. Hopper and the Goon as opposed to the Dungeon of Doom and the Booty Man and the Zodiac and the Yeti and all the stupid shit they had in WCW in 1995. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little torn between that. Father. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I got to say, and I know he's just kidding, but I, I got to say, I don't know. I think both products were, were not that great in 95. 96, obviously, things changed with the, with the inception of the NWO. The, the, the thing that really got that angle off the ground was Hogan turning heel. Nobody saw that coming. Had it been anybody else, I don't think the NWO would have been as, as big a deal. Had they done it with Sting like they had wanted to do, it would have failed. You had to have that guy. Hogan was the guy. It worked. Anybody else would have failed. Just like The Undertaker. Anybody else in that gimmick, it would have failed. Well, yeah, but Hall and Nash coming in was a pretty big deal, too, because <clears throat> they went right from, you know, being top stars in the WWE to making the, the transition to WCW. So it was like, you know, that was a holy shit moment, too. But, you know, when Hogan, I can't remember a time after that where I've actually seen fans. Uh, OK, indie shows, some of them. Yeah, but I. I couldn't believe the amount of shit the fans were actually throwing in the ring because the promo that Hogan cut basically said all the years, the last decade that your children have loved me and you grew up loving me, it was all bullshit. It was all about the money. I've been working you my entire career. And I mean, I think at that point, if some fans could have got past security, Hogan would have been a dead man. That's how fucking enraged people were. I remember sitting there as a young man like, oh, my God. Now, don't get me wrong. I always was a heel guy, so I had a smile on my face from ear to ear, but I still couldn't believe it. I hear you. But you talk about Hall and Nash. I mean, let's look at, let's look at their careers respectively. When they were in WCW in the early 90s, Hall was the diamond stud. He had nothing going on. Nash was Oz. Then he was Vinny Vegas, which I actually like Vinny Vegas. Yeah. I, I think the Vinny Vegas gimmick worked. But, like, they weren't doing anything stellar till they went to WWF, and Vince McMahon made them Razor Ramon, respectively, and Diesel. And they both skyrocketed. Razor Ramon, obviously, was a multiple-time Intercontinental Champion, was, you know, top of the mid-card, was the gatekeeper, and then Diesel managed to have a, a, a year run as champion, which, unfortunately, many see as the worst championship run of all time. Again, I think that he didn't really have a lot of great guys to work with in the company outside of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Razor. You know, you look at, you look at the main event scene in 95, and we're talking Mabel, 
We're talking Sid. <laughs> you know, there's some problems there, but it is what it is. I, again, I, I think going back to, to 95, it was a bad year for both companies. And I think that's been said in the chat as well. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so 96 things did, did pick up. But, again, the inclusion of Eric Bischoff to Monday Night Raw in 2002, amazing. Definitely shocking TV. Yeah, just to close things out, I used to love when, when Bischoff used to just say, and he did it in WCW. If I'm not mistaken, I think he did it a few times in WWE, too, where he made Bo Dallas look like Jiminy Cricket when he would say, I just want you all to know that I love each and every one of you. And I was like, go fuck yourself, Bischoff. <laughs> he was so good at being an asshole. I don't think it was acting. I think he was just being himself, you know, at the end of the day. But uh, i tell you what, we're going to take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to jump into what was Monday Night Raw. I apologize ahead of time. With that being said, you're listening to SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, this is Trish Stratus. Keep listening because Stratisfaction is guaranteed right here on the SNS Radio Network. The time is now. Hey there, old school wrestling fans. This is your personal ring announcer, Sean Beckerman here, reminding you to download the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia podcast known as Beyond the Bell each and every week on the SNS Radio Network. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. From WCW, ECW, WCCW. The cream of the crop. Back to the NWA, AWA, World Wrestling Federation, to now WWE, we cover it all. Famous Feuds, our 101 series, The Horseman Files, Old School Music, Greatest Managers, Tag Teams, Promos, you name it, Beyond the Bell covers it. Kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. So tune in each and every week on the SNS Radio Network and go old school with Beyond the Bell. What you gonna do when the largest arms in the world in Hulkamania destroys you? Hey guys, this is Ashley. And this is Sandro. And we're here to make sure that you check out the whole indie show each week on the SNS Radio Network. As both of us, along with our other co-host Randy, cover everything that you need to know on all things indie wrestling. It's your place for all the most recent indie news and event results, reviews of the latest shows from all the major promotions, and previews for all the upcoming events. We also want your feedback on any indie stuff you may have seen as well. Plus, you know, you never know. You might even get a few paperclip references now and then. So for all that and much more, listen to The Whole Indie Show every week here on the SNS Radio Network. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. 
Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Are you feeling down in the dumps because you live outside the United States and maybe you can't get the WWE Network? Maybe you'd like to watch Netflix from the American region. But since you're in another country, it doesn't work for you? Well, I've got the solution for you. The SNS Radio Network is recently affiliated with UnblockUs.com. If you go to the SNS Radio Network page and click the UnblockUs.com banner ad, you can sign up to get a VPN. Not sure what a VPN is? Well, it basically protects your identity online. Basically, it gives you an address online where the content you want becomes available. Here's how it works. When you click the link on the SNS Radio Network banner, it takes you to UnblockUs.com. And from that link, you can sign up for a free one-week trial. If you decide to sign up afterward, it's only $4.99 a month. And when you think about it, that's great savings. $4.99 a month allows you to watch American Netflix or any region of Netflix that you'd like to watch. And here's the biggie, folks. If you don't have the WWE Network, you live in the UK, you live in another country outside the United States, unblockus.com can set you up for $4.99 a month with a VPN that will allow you to have access to the WWE Network and all regions of Netflix and you can watch it on your PS3, your Xbox 360, any device you have, you're able to use with unblockus.com. And the best part about it is, I'm not just talking about this, I'm using this service myself. So once again, go to the SNS Radio Network, click on the Unblock Us banner, and from there, sign up. And if you do that, you help to support the SNS Radio Network as they give a kickback to us to help keep all the shows on the SNS Radio Network for free. Once again, unblockus.com, giving you freedom online. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. to the show with Tony J. Mirabella and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. We're back right here on the SNS Radio Network. You're listening to Unplugged. I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. He is Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella, or as I'm calling him tonight, Puddles. Uh, there's a new one. Well, I died inside twice. I guess we might as well kill me a third time. <laughs> Make it a turd, baby. Make it a turd. Oh, man, I'm telling you. It was kind of cool talking about that stuff with Bischoff, though. And, you know, it's funny how, the you know, we've been talking a lot about the Monday Night Wars the last couple of weeks here on Unplugged. And, of course, on the WWE Network, 
they're uh, about to debut the full-fledged Monday Night Wars, which is going to be really cool. Yeah, last night, actually, after Raw went off the air, they <clears throat> they did play the best of uh, Monday Nitro. Not exactly the entire DVD, but like they, they had certain segments. They talked about the Nitro girls, and they showcased Stacey Keebler, and they talked about the cruiserweight division. They had a great match between uh, Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio. And they talked about like the celebrities like Rodman and, and uh, the mailman, Carl Malone. It was, oh. a, it, it was a nice little watch. It was like an hour long, and I watched it last night. And it brought back a lot of memories. And, you know, it made me miss what wrestling used to be. Because that Jericho match that he had with Rey Mysterio, this is back when Jericho was the cruiserweight bully, and he took Hooventude's mask, and he was feuding with Dean Malenko, and he was running around as the cruiserweight champion. This was like my favorite WCW era of Jericho because I hated Jericho the babyface when he would like, you know, come down the ramp and then he would like thrust himself into the crowd and the crowd would embrace him. I hated that gimmick for him. But when he turned heel and started picking on the cruiserweights and started having little crybaby fits and shit, that was awesome. But that match he had with Mysterio probably is one of the best matches I've seen uh in a long time i mean w when you look at some of the stuff we've seen outside of maybe randy orton and dean ambrose from last week that match pretty much blows everything they've done on raw match wise out the window for the last i don't know two or three years and that's saying something and that's just a match between Rey mysterio and chris jericho in the cruiserweight division in wcw in 1998 that's pretty telling well, where WCW fucked themselves was the cruiserweights was such an appeal. You know, it really was. It was something they were doing different. I mean, yeah, you did tune in to see the main events, but the cruiserweights were always entertaining. And then, you know, they just didn't want to let those guys get over. They didn't want to give them a chance to get over. And then that's when a lot of those guys said, fuck it, we're going to the WWE. But I see, mean, they but, 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 really dropped the bomb there. But see, here's the thing. When, when you look at that, how could they have gotten over? Because the veterans were running the show. You had Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and Hall and Nash and Piper and Flair and the Horsemen and all these veterans that had been established that were kind of holding that mid-card talent down. You couldn't let guys like Jericho. When I used to watch Nitro, to me, the NWO storyline was compelling at first. About the first six, seven, eight months, Going into 97, the NWO was a big deal. But I watched for the NWO, and I stayed watching for the undercard. When the cruiserweights would have their matches, I was glued to the TV. Ultimo, Dragon, Dean Malenko, Jericho, Mysterio, Psychosis, Juventud Guerrera. They had a fantastic cruiserweight division. You know, uh, very uh, diverse, you know, different cultures and nationalities and those guys you know put it up a notch to me that was probably the best division wcw had they had a great tag division as well but the cruiserweight division i think was the cream of the crop so when i would watch nitro i would watch that you know and then we would go to the nwo for the main event at least wcw had that to offer you didn't see great wrestling in the main event because you had guys like hogan in the main event you had hall and nash in the main event your solid a1 matches were your undercard 
And it was just the opposite in WWF. Your main event was the bomb. When you had Rock and Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels and uh, all these guys in the main event scene in WWF, they were putting on hellacious matches. The undercard was lacking in WWF. They were com- they, Look, the two companies were completely opposite. They were polar opposites. The WCW had stellar undercard matches, and the WWF had the main event matches. And that yeah. was the difference. Yeah, absolutely. In the cruiserweight division, you had, you know, Hispanics, you had Japanese, you had all different cultures and everything coming together. And it was cool to see them mix and match these guys and have awesome freaking matches. But yeah, I mean, that that was, you know, that was one of their high points at the time. I would agree. Well, let's stop going down memory lane and let's go ahead and, you know, get out those razor blades and start cutting our wrists because, well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time I know. Try not to nod off. It's time to talk about what happened last night. Fucking Monday Night Raw. Now get the guns, the drugs from my generation. I'll take the fall. You will react. All right, guys, so our go-home show to Battleground, Monday Night Raw, starts out from Richmond, Virginia with John Cena, who tells us the champ is here and gets booed out of the arena. Because we're only six days away from Battleground, if you haven't signed up for the network, anyway, he pimps out the network. The authority has put me against Kane, Orton, and Reigns in a fatal four-way, and he explains the rules until Roman Reigns comes out. Cena introduces Roman Reigns, and he says, you know, ironically, you're my partner tonight, and then we face off against each other this Sunday in the four-way. Cena thanks Roman Reigns for helping him last week, but his message is loud and clear. You're not to be ignored. But we've got to make it till Sunday, man, and I know you've been screwed over by the authority. Roman says, get to the goddamn point. Cena says we should handle the authority tonight and get Kane Norton out of the way, and then see if you're as good as you think you are. And Roman says, you know, you're right about that. Then it's just you and me, and we'll see if you're as good as you think you are. Now, Dean Ambrose interrupts, and he says, I understand the testosterone-ridden thing going on here. We're not dancing tonight. We're fighting, and I've got a plan. It's Operation Screw the Authority, where you two stop arguing, and we kick their asses. But... Rollins shows up backstage and he distracts Ambrose and then Dean Ambrose gets freaking jumped by Kane and Randy Orton and gets his ass beat down. And after the first beatdown, he says, is that all you guys got? Until he gets curb stomped into the freaking pavement and he's taken to the hospital, so we're told. Sheamus versus The Miz and The Miz comes out to his new entrance and says this Sunday he'll be the new Intercontinental Champion. It only makes sense that a movie star is adored all over the world and will become champ. My goal tonight is to keep that bro kick away from the moneymaker, which is his gigantic face, which is put on the Titantron. Now, in the end, after what was a pretty short match, 
Sheamus hits Miz with the 14 beats to the drum, because that's about as many times he punched him in the chest. But in the end, the Miz actually gets a win with a roll-up and beats your U.S. champion. So, interesting. Randy Orton tells Kane, if we work together, there's nothing to stop me from walking out as the champion. Kane tells Orton, I got your back as long as you've got mine. And Triple H says, you can both trust each other because I trust both of you. What's important is the title comes back to the authority this Sunday by any means necessary. Tonight, you need to take care of business. We need trust tonight. After all this, Stephanie tells Triple H she loves how he handles himself, and they swap spits backstage. Speaking of swapping spits, Fandango versus Dolph Ziggler, and during the match, Layla and Summer Rae come out, who are apparently friends, and they dirty dance together, which was actually pretty neat to watch. I can't bitch about this. Dolph Ziggler, off the distraction from to Fandango, gets the famous surf for the win, and Dolph ends up dancing and leaving with both girls. So you go, boys. Someone's getting Maytag washer tonight. Adam Rose asked Damian Sandow why he's hogging all the Sonic hot dogs. And he and Sandow take the hot dog back and forth. Sandow falls down. And Adam Rose says that's what happens when you're a lemon. Yep, Adam Rose has some future. The Usos come out for a match, but the Wyatts attack them from behind. Harper and Rowan isolate one of the Usos in the ring, and he's double powerbombed. So this match never goes down. Now for our segment that dragged for 10 hours. Michael Cole introduces Lana and Ruzoff, and he introduces Swagger and Zeb Coulter. And Michael Cole says this meeting is to help with the hostilities between the two countries. Big USA chance. And Lana says... Zeb is just like the U.S., but the U.S. chants overwhelm her, and she screams, Shut up! I'm talking to you stupid Americans. Your country was so stupid that when you won the war against Britain, you fought yourselves in a civil war like savages. Russia will always be a peace-loving country. And she goes on and on, bad-mouthing the U.S., and Zeb talks about them being Bullwinkle and Natasha again and says, I laid face down in the jungle with guns going off around me and I vowed to protect the U.S. from all enemies. And Zeb says, not no, but hell no. And Lana goes, this is why the U.S. is crumbling into pieces. The only man who can help the country is Vladimir Putin. Anyway, in the end of this and after we the people... Rusev agrees to fight Jack Swagger at Battleground. Rusev tries to attack Swagger, but Swagger blocks a kick and hits the Patriot Lock. Now, Rusev does not tap, but he barely escapes and runs off with Lana. John Cena tells Roman Reigns, look, this is an obvious setup. I know you want to be champion, but you've got to trust me. Roman says they took one of us out, but by the end of the night, we take out all three of them. Alberto Del Rio versus RVD. <clears throat> ADR knocked over the top. RVD is out after him. Van Dam makes a comeback after ADR gets the upper hand. But Del Rio gets the knees up on the frog splash, rolls over into the arm breaker, and RVD has no choice but to submit. Nikki Bella comes out along with Stephanie who says, You're all alone in the ring again. I almost feel bad for you because your sister quit. 
She abandoned you and her career, but the person you have to blame is your sister, Brie. Nikki versus Cameron and Alicia Fox in a handicap match. Nikki tries her best, but the numbers game gets to her, and Cameron and Alicia, of course, get the win. Big news, Sting, a promo is cut, and he is available for pre-order on WWE 2K15. Two generations of Sting, actually. Randy Orton wants to talk to Triple H about Kane. Nothing happened, but Orton says, are you sure about Kane? Triple H says, Kane's just a pawn, but he's our pawn. The plan is for you to walk out the WWE champ. Don't worry, Kane will stick to the plan, because you're the plan, Randy. Orton says, if I'm the plan, then there's no need for a plan B. Again, I just can't do this one, guys. Stardust says, Goldust face is an interstellar roadmap. Goldust says, like the yellow brick road. Stardust says, we're not in Kansas anymore. We need to go to a bizarre place in the universe, and they breathe on each other. I don't fucking know. Cesaro comes out without Paul Heyman, and Jerry Lawler is talking shit about how Paul Heyman may have been fired. Big E versus Cesaro with Kofi at ringside. Big E gets the win with the big ending. So Cesaro jobs again. Chris Jericho comes out and he says he's seen it all in the WWE, but Bray Wyatt's an anomaly and he wants to know why the hell is Bray targeting me? He says they can get crazy at Battleground, but then Bray Wyatt cuts him off and says people with small minds get beat down and they transform. Bray remembers when Jericho said he would save them, but he's been to war with great men. And then he asks if Jericho is afraid of the dark. He blows out the lantern, the lights go out, and when they come back on, Jericho is surrounded by Harper and Rowan. Jericho tries to fight them off, but then thinks better of it and retreats. Jericho, as he's backing away, gets clotheslined by Bray on the stage, and he gets hit with Sister Abigail. AJ Lee versus Eva Marie with Paige on commentary. In any event, just please forget the commentary. I've tried to. A Black Widow and AJ gets the win. Kane tells Triple H and Stephanie plan A has a problem. I don't trust Orton and I don't like him either. And Stephanie says you've got to work with people you don't like. We have people who work for us we can't stand. Triple H says do what you've got to do Sunday because that title's coming back to the authority. Bo Dallas says last week I beat El Torito. He's tiny but his heart is huge. I can only hope my opponent tonight has a heart as big as him. And it's an open challenge, and it's the adequate Kali. Anyway, Bo Dallas gets the win via countout. And Bo tells Kali, don't get down. You might have lost tonight. But before he can continue, he gets waffled by the great Kali. Seth Rollins now tells Triple H in our 30th backstage segment that Kane and Randy Orton won't get along. And if Roman or Cena wins the match, don't worry, because I'm plan B. And Triple H says, don't worry, Seth, we know what plan B is. Paul Heyman shows up, and Triple H asks Paul, where the hell's he been? Heyman says, I like your plan B, and I hope it works out for you, but if you need a foolproof plan C, I'm the guy you should talk to. Stephanie says, I've never trusted this guy. Flo Rida will be on Raw next week. 
Ric Flair is out and he tells Renee he's had fun in this city. As your mothers and fathers could tell you, Virginia is for lovers. And Renee asks Flair who he thinks is going to be the next WWE champ. Flair says only one man can strike like a viper. One man can rise through hellfire and brim brimstone, but the winner will be my man, John Cena. Roman Reigns comes out. He and Ric Flair shake hands. And as Flair leaves, Cena meets Flair on the ramp. They hug. Cena hands Ric Flair the big gold world heavyweight title, and I believe he says keep it. John Cena and Roman Reigns in what's now a handicap match versus Rollins, Orton, and Kane. And Cena and Rollins to start. Then it's Cena and Orton. This is a pretty good back and forth match, but during a bump to the outside, Rollins sells that he hurt his knee, and the ref actually even does the X sign. A Samoan drop to Randy Orton. Now Kane and Orton start double-teaming John Cena to no end. The referee has no choice but to call a disqualification on the heels. John Cena ducks and Kane accidentally hits Randy Orton. And then Roman Reigns accidentally spears John Cena. And Randy Orton has had enough and RKO's the shit out of Kane. And Orton is standing tall in the ring until he gets speared into the next century by big Roman Reigns. And that is how we end our go-home show to Battleground. So guys, if you will, react to that. Well, I got to say, uh, there wasn't a lot to react to, but there, there were a couple of things. There were a couple of things that I really enjoyed about the show. Let me just start off right off the top with Bo Dallas. Uh, I, I am loving the Bo Dallas gimmick. I am a believer, absolutely. I love the fact that the last couple of weeks he's tormented poor El Torito. And then last night, the open challenge, he got in there with the great Kali. There were moments in that match that I died laughing. Uh, parts where he would hit Great Kali, or Adequate Kali, as you called him, and he would say, Bad Giant, Bad Giant, like he was yeah. chastising him, like he was a fucking dog. I love that shit. It's the subtle things that Bo Dallas does. You can tell that he knows the business. He knows how to entertain a crowd. He knows what to do. It's in his blood. He's a third-generation superstar. But I think he's going to be huge. I love the way he played off that. I also love in the end when he goes and gives the pep talk to, the pep talk to Kali and doesn't even finish his sentence, and then Kali waffles him with the, uh, uh, with the chop. And then he's laying there on the ground, and he's like, Ow! <laughs> Ow! <laughs> it's just the subtle shit. This kid is gold. Him and his brother both are fucking gold. These guys are going to be staples for a long time. And I think they're going to have bigger careers than their father, IRS, Erwin R. Scheister, uh, ever had. But kudos to, to Bo Dallas last night for making uh, a show that I didn't think was very entertaining, at least somewhat entertaining during that match. You know what got him over with me, too? <clears throat> it was a couple weeks ago. when, You know, whenever you're live... And whether it's doing radio or whether it's, a, I couldn't even imagine being in front of a crowd. I'd be scared shit. You're already nervous and then you make a big mistake, like dropping the microphone. And instead of getting flustered, he picks it up and, oh, 
Butterfingers and just continues like nothing happened. And I'm like, this guy's a fucking pro. Well, it, it's his demeanor, too, the way he does it. He goes, oh, oops, Butterfingers, silly me. You know, it's great the way that he has the gimmick and the character because he can do shit like that. And it works. But, yeah, I, I think this kid is gold. I think that he's got a, a great career ahead of him if he stays injury-free. Yeah, and it's going to be funny to think who they're finally going to get. You know what? I hate to say it. I'd let this streak go. I'd let it go. I'd let him keep eking out victories however he can, whether it's count out, whether it's bullshit, DQ. I don't think they should. And I can't think of anybody because if you if you end this streak, you kind of hurt his momentum a little bit. It's too soon. I'd like to see him keep going on and on and just manage to squeak out victories. Oh, I think that would be great if they if they went that route. Uh, you know, who knows what's in store? I mean, hey, why not book him in a match against Goldberg? <laughs> and he beats Goldberg and keeps his streak intact. How awesome would that be? Where the hell I mean, did that come from? Goldberg. I wasn't even thinking on that plane. Well, hey, you know, um, Goldberg is remembered for the streak. Why not have a guy that's having a streak face another guy? He'll lose before then. But I'm just saying, if you were going to go streak for streak, that's where I would go. I would have Goldberg come in and be like, you're next, Dallas. You know, and then have Bo somehow pull the win out and then try to give him a pep talk and get speared out of his fucking shorts. I think that would be awesome. Great WrestleMania moment for Bo Dallas, but we'll see if they do that. Well, you ain't going to have fucking Goldberg ain't coming in jobbing to Bo Dallas. I mean, <laughs> a, 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 you know, a bigger guy might, but I can't see Goldberg doing that. No, but, no of course not. <clears throat> of course he wouldn't do that. Uh, let me see. Other things on the show. Can, can I just be really honest at how distasteful I really found the Sonic segment. I, you know, I love Sonic's food. And unfortunately, I've been here in Canada for eight years. And when my father died in 2012, and I went down for seven days, I did have some Sonic, which was the first time I'd had it in years. And it was still good to me. And I would kill Anthony Farley for something from Sonic right now. But we don't have him in Canada. So, you know... The shilling of the products just kind of bothers me. Adam Rose is a talented wrestler, and now he's being put in that spot that was occupied by Santino now that he's retired. And that kind of bothers me because I think that this guy can go in the ring. I've seen him go in the ring as, as Leo Kruger, and unfortunately he's being relegated to this stuff. Same with Damian Sandow. I thought that that entire Sonic segment while it's great for Sonic, and yeah, they probably put a bunch of money in WWE's hands for it, the fact that they did that was ridiculous. I wasn't entertained by it. In fact, I thought it came off lame. I thought it was a horrible segment. You know, it's funny. They don't have Sonic here in New York. I've never had Sonic in my life. Mac Daddy oh. says, Sonic Frito Chili Pie. That's the shit. Dude, I make my own because I used to go to Sonic all the time and get that. I'd get that. Hell, I, I'd get the number two burger sometimes. You know, sometimes I would go just to get a, a, a Sonic Blast, an Eminem Sonic Blast. Don't have it here, man. Love me some Sonic. Yeah, I was listening to myself saying, I didn't catch myself when I was saying they were fighting over the hot dog or the. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It was just stupid, you know? Yeah, man. It was just, you know, come on. I, I, I don't mind product shilling, but I hate when they do it in the context, like with the characters. Just put a fucking Sonic commercial, please. I mean, I what, just hate uh, when they do that. 
what's next? Are we going to have KFC? Are we going to have Mark Henry and Titus O'Neil fighting over a bucket of chicken? Oh, okay. I ain't touching that shit with a 10-foot pole. But, I mean, it's like, you know, I just don't like what it, – it was like that the, that time when they had, like, Jared fucking show up and the Miz took his sandwich. That was – I'll admit I don't like when they do product placement in storylines, but that was actually funny. This shit was like, yeah, it was just lame. And I feel bad for Adam Rose, man. I, I feel bad for Rose and Sandow. I do, too. It's just it's ridiculous. Um, moving on, let's go ahead and talk about, and this was just brought up in the, in the chat by Mac Daddy. Cesaro comes out by himself. No Paul Heyman. The announcers start talking about how, oh, there's rumors over the weekend that he was fired or he quit. He's no longer with Cesaro. Let me ask you a question. Why the fuck do we continue to do this shit with Paul Heyman? Why is he even on fucking television when you put him with a guy? He's with him for a couple of months. He tries to get Curtis Axel over. He tries to get Ryback over. And it's all just to bide fucking time until Brock comes back. Could we not give the motherfucker a stable? Has he not done that shit in the past? Does anybody remember the fucking Dangerous Alliance when he managed Steve Austin and Rick Rude and Arn Anderson and fucking Larry Zabisco and Bobby fucking Eaton? Do we have to continue to fucking take Paul Heyman and put him with one fucking guy until Brock comes back and then ditch him and kick him to the fucking curb? What the fuck, WWE? It's the same shit every fucking year with you guys. You do the same fucking thing. We did it with Punk. We did it with Axel and fucking Ryback. And now we're doing it with Cesaro. What was the fucking point to put him with the guy if you were going to split him up and not build any animosity between Brock and Cesaro? You wasted our fucking time. You wasted his fucking time. Well, I mean, we don't know if they're split up yet, but I I think the reason is that that... You know, in their minds, they never want to recycle things when they fucking should. You know what I'm saying? I I hate when, like, you know what I love? They'll take a storyline that happened nine months ago. And this is wrestling in general nowadays, whether it's WWE, TNA, I don't give a fuck. They'll recycle a story from nine months ago, but yet they won't go back and do something that worked decades ago in having a stable, having a manager, you know, I agree. Why couldn't you have, why couldn't you keep Ryback and, and, and Axel in there? Have Ryback, Axel, Cesaro, okay, Punk, well, obviously that's not going to work. But have the motherfucker have four or five guys. And okay, Brock can be the heavy, the muscle that comes in every so often. But I, I agree with you. I, it's like Heyman's there, he's getting paid. You know, get this guy over until our shitty contract with Brock, you know, makes him come back again. I mean, fuck, you know what it's like, dude? It's like fucking Paul Heyman is a slutty fucking girl. And (laughs) while her husband is away serving in the service, he's fucking around with all these other guys. And then as soon as her husband comes back from the Navy and he's back home, he fucking drops everybody because his boyfriend is back. I mean, it just fucking bothers me. We can't build to anything. The moment Brock comes back, boom. I'm not managing anybody. I'm with Brock. And they've done this for the last fucking three or four years. Well, look at the Heenan family. All right, Heenan's big boy was Andre, obviously. That was his ace in the hole. Andre trumped everyone else. But, but 
he had so many other guys. And Heyman is capable of getting people over. And I just, the thing that I think pissed me off, and I get where you're pissed off, but I think what pissed me off the most is there's no story behind it. It's like next week you come on Unplugged and do it solo and don't even explain why I'm not here. You know, Bronx got fired, Bronx is sick, Bronx got hurt. No, you just come on, don't give any explanation. Now, that was like last night. Heyman just, he's just not there. And then all of a sudden, a guy who with CM Punk was so much against Triple H and Stephanie, now all of a sudden last night, oh, well, if you need a plan C, I got you. And plan C is obviously going to be Brock. Well, exactly. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But, I mean, when you look at it, you know, and, and I think, who was it just said this in the chat? Uh, fuck, I don't know. I lost it, so I, I can't give you credit here. Oh, straight, it was straight. I don't think Heyman has done Cesaro any favors by being by his side. Yes and no. Um, I think what they've what they have failed to do with Cesaro is they have failed to really reenact or, or, or go forward with this storyline to turn him into a face. Cesaro is over, and I thought having him turn heel was was interesting at best. Putting him with Heyman, I thought, all right, cool. I see where they're going with this. To me, to really get him over as a solid, a, a solidified face, there kind of needed to be a breakup between Heyman and Cesaro, not just uh, all of a sudden he's coming out by himself because Paul Heyman has gone back to Brock. I really felt like they should have screwed him over in a match. Say it's a tag team match just for the hell of it. Let me just fantasy book for a second. Just I'll throw a scenario out there just so I can help out. Oh, why no. Not, why not have, like, for example, say you have him go against the Usos for the titles. And in the middle of the match, there's some dissension between Brock and, and this doesn't have to be a title match. There's dissension in the match. Maybe Cesaro wants in. Maybe Brock doesn't tag him in or, or vice versa. And then Heyman and Brock just beat the shit out of him and leave him laying in the ring. Now you've got the sympathy fucking heat. You've got people behind Cesaro because they just fucked him in the middle of the fucking ring. They just fucked him over. You could have even built it up where Heyman comes out and keeps doing his shtick about Brock this, Brock this. I'm the 21 and the, the one in 21 and one, blah, blah, blah. And finally one week Cesaro says, I'm the 21. Ho, ho, hold up. Paul, just one second. Um, we're here to talk about my match, okay? We all know about that. And Cesaro says, anyway, tonight I'm blah, blah, blah. And the next week again, my client Barack. No, nah, hold on, Paul. Come on, we're here to talk about the here and now. You know, you start planting the seeds and then do your scenario, and it would still work out great. I just think you should build to it. I mean, you, you got a guy that he's he's managing. He's supposed to be the next big superstar in the business, and at the drop of a fucking hat, well, Brock's coming back next week. I got to let you go. See you later. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Got to go. I just I have a problem with this. I and it's short sighted booking. Where is the the fucking creative direction here? I don't know if this is a Vince McMahon decision to do this shit all the time, or if it's a Triple H thing. But whoever's making that decision, it fucking sucks. Let's build to something. Let's not have him drop him out of the fucking like. Just one minute he's with him, the next minute he's gone, and there's no eh, whatever. Heyman's clients are like the um, platonic friend. Well, you know? well, exactly. 
who who is Paul Heyman's client that's who's the only client that he's ever stood really beside? Well, and you really can't even say that because he fucked Brock too. Well, yeah, but I mean, since since he's been back and Brock's been back, that's that's kind of been the deal. But the the thing is, it's like, you know, that platonic friend. Oh, you know, I got a boyfriend, but you know, when he goes out of town, then I'm going to talk to my platonic friend, which means I'm going to fuck this guy till you come back. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's it's just like I said. It's it's like a girlfriend boyfriend relationship. Brock's away, Heyman can play. When Brock's back. Psh- the boyfriend is back, and I got to stick here. And that's exactly what it reminds me of. And it's just it's short-sighted booking. It really is. It's, it's, it's not. I, I'm just not a fan of this at all. Excuse me, guys. JJ just gave me a great idea for something, which I'm going to save. I'll talk to you about it off the air. I just got this great fucking idea. You, you as you often have, have sparked the creative bug in my head. <laughs> oh, that's a scary thought. But that's where I stand on it. I'm not a fan of what they've done. I like Cesaro. Does he need Heyman? No. Could he have benefited from Heyman for a little bit longer? Uh, could they have gone a little further? Yes. Now, if he's back with him next week, I'll feel like an idiot. But they were they were hinting at it on commentary, and that's why I'm fucking raging about it. Because when they're talking about that shit on commentary, there's a reason for that. They're fucking hinting at storylines. Anytime they really go out of their way, oh, well, I heard rumors that he quit or he fired him. They're building a storyline on that. That's not just them speculating. You know, that's fucking scripted storyline shit, folks. And that's what bothers me. Something else. I'll see if where you go with it. Something else that they did last night that really fucking, if, if this is true, grinded my gears. But, you know, you go on, man, and I'll, I'll see if you think the same way I do. It was a similar situation, and we'll see how you think about it. Oh well, I'm assuming you're talking about John Cena coming down in the in the uh, the match, I'm fucking and, re- and 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 he fucking walks up and flares right there because Flair cuts this great promo on how John Cena's the man, and he well by Flair's standards now, I mean you know I, I wouldn't say they're they're great compared to Flair 20 years ago, but you know. <laughs> By Flair for the last five or six years, I'd say it was a pretty good Flair promo. I mean, he wasn't in a drunken stupor, and he actually kind of made some sense. So for him, that's a pretty good promo. That's just what I'm saying. Um, But as far as what you're talking about, yeah, you know, he walks up the ramp. Here comes John Cena. They have a stare down. John Cena looks at the World Heavyweight Championship, the big gold belt that was originally brought to the WWE by Ric Flair in the early 90s, takes a look at it. And is like, eh, gives it to him, and he poses with it. And then he says, no, you keep it. And then he walks down to the ring with just the WWE Championship. And you hear JBL saying, and now there's only one belt. And And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? This is something I've been bitching about since fucking, when was it, November, when they unified the titles. I've been bitching about this for weeks, for months. Can we please have one belt, please? But... So I don't sound like a hypocrite. You could have done something a little more intriguing. Maybe had John Cena come out and cut a promo and say, look, you know, you guys all know that it's just one title now. So you know what, man, it's time for to have John Cena be his little funny self. It's time for old John Cena to pick and choose and look at both of them and go, hmm, 
you know what, man? This is the new belt. It's got the WWE logo right on the front. I'm keeping this one. And then maybe say, I want Ric Flair to come out. And Flair comes out and he gives him the belt. But to do it on the ramp, I mean, a belt that's that's been in the company for how many fucking years now on SmackDown? And basically, oh, here you go, Rick. You know, just take it. Don't Go hawk it on high spots. Don't worry about it. Well, I mean, don't forget that this belt was introduced. I mean, obviously, the big gold belt was unified by Jericho at Vengeance back in December of, what was it, 2001. And then in 2002, when Brock was the undisputed champion, Stephanie made a deal with him where he was exclusive to SmackDown, and Raw didn't have a champion. So Eric Bischoff brought the big gold title belt back, which was the WCW World Championship, and presented it to Triple H, who wrestled Ric Flair to be the champion because Flair says, no, you don't want to just get the belt. You want to wrestle for it. So he wrestled Flair and was crowned the world champion. And that belt stayed on Raw for a number of years. And then when John Cena came in, they switched it over to SmackDown. And I think it's switched once or twice since then. But the point being, at one point in time, that belt held some prestige. It was supposed to be the flagship title uh, on Raw. My problem is this. I think that if you wanted to get away from having the two belts, why didn't you just have a new belt made? I would say even go as far as to just make slight modifications to the WWE Championship that The Rock debuted a couple of years ago, the current big WWE belt. Why couldn't they put a globe behind it? We're calling it the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Why can't we have a world with the WWE emblem in the middle there and keep that style to kind of unify those belts? I don't want to see John Cena come out and, and just in passing give Ric Flair the belt and be like, here, champ, this is your belt. You take it home. There was no rhyme or reason. To me, you've deunified the belts. There is no WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Now it's just the WWE Championship. The way that they fucking handled that situation I think is piss poor. I've read a couple articles today. That is, in fact, what they're doing. They are getting rid of that belt. They're retiring it. And that was how they chose to do it. I can understand the respect factor that John Cena was a fan of Ric Flair growing up. And it was, it was all about respect. And he just gave him the title and was like, here, this is your belt. You're the champ. You're Ric Flair. But the way it was done was piss poor. It was fucking horrible. Yeah, do it in the ring and explain it. Well, JJ, I had a great time at... Uh the restaurant with you and Harmony. I can't wait till you guys come back to New York again. Oh, by the way, Jeff, before I get on the train, here's my great-grandmother's ashes. Here, take this urn. You have it. Bye, buddy. Yeah, what? exactly. And, and look, you know, a month down the road, they're going to be debuting a new logo. So why are you just not having a new belt made? And wait until I, I just it baffles my fucking mind what's going on with this company. I love WWE, and I love a lot of the stuff. I love the network. I love going back and watching old shit, and there's a lot of guys that I'm currently invested in in this product, but sometimes I have to sit down and really think, why the fuck am I still watching this shit? Because they do some shit that just fucking turns me off and makes me not want to fucking watch it anymore, and that was one of them, and I'm a belt mark, so that explains that. I just didn't like the way that situation was handled at all. Here's what I think's happening. <clears throat> it's coming out in the product how much where you've got two generals fighting to control the army and everyone's getting killed in the meantime. You know, we keep reading these fucking rumors. 
And again, it could just be everyone in WWE working us where Vince and Triple H don't always get on the same page on things. Oh, they don't. That, that's, been, that's been heavily speculated on. That's been reported in many news stories that Vince wants to keep going one way and Triple H wants to go the other way. Triple H is trying to edit out all these stupid, funny fucking segments. He wants to go back to wrestling. I mean, that's obvious by watching NXT. Triple H is in, in complete control of the NXT product. That's why it's in such good hands. That's why it's a good show to fucking watch. You're getting your wrestling out of that. There's a couple comedic things that happen, sure. But for the most part, that show is about wrestling and showcasing talent. And on the main show on Raw, Vince still has his hands in it. And until Vince either expires, which I'm not saying I want that to happen, or goes to the retirement home, or fucking retires... We're going to have this shit happening. Until Triple H and Stephanie have full control of this company, it's status quo. It's what daddy wants, and I think Vince is not the genius he once was. I think he's lost a lot over the years. Yeah, and, you know, someone has to have the, the end-all, be-all say. You know, the, the, it's like, I'm plugged. You produce, you, you do everything. I have a say, but I let you run things. I know that's how it works. I run my show. All the guys on the network run their shows. You have to have someone who's in charge, who's established as in charge. It's not going to work if you have, let's say, two co-hosts of a show arguing for hours upon hours before the show what's going to go down. Then the show is going to come off like shit. And that's what I think is, is happening in the WWE is that you've got these two massive egos who are arguing with each other, maybe three, if you count Stephanie in there, but I'm sure she's more with her husband than her daddy, or maybe the poor girl's actually torn in the middle, which would be a shitty place for Stephanie to be. But I don't know. I got a feeling that's where it is. Cause that, that whole shit with the belt last night, I cannot in my wildest dreams, imagine that being a triple H idea. I could tell you now, I'm sure that, the majority of the talent are siding with Triple H and wanting him to gain control because they, you know, he's gone to people and said, all right, we're going to push you. And then he's had to go back to them and say, no, well, there's been a creative difference. Vince wants to do this. And those people have been, you know, taken off pushes and whatnot. Believe me, I bet you money that the majority of the talent in that company are, are just waiting for Triple H to take over. They are fully behind him. Yeah. And he's one of the boys. I mean, okay, Vince, had i guess what you could call a, a wrestling career but not the way triple h did you know he's one of the boys and the boys you know they like one of their own and sure i i would agree with you 100 percent. again we can either confirm we can't confirm this but i would think you're right let me tell you something last night that i did enjoy on raw dolph fucking ziggler doing what dolph ziggler does and that's being a pimp and that's being a boss and showing that he is the fucking man I love the fact that Summer Rae and Layla walked away with him last night, and there was a picture that was posted on Twitter of them, the three of them walking down the hall, and each girl has one of his ass cheeks in their fucking hand. I'm telling you, last night, he probably may tag both of those bitches. Yeah, Dolph is a fucking stud, man. He's just one of those guys you like, and I like that could even be a good slight gimmick change for him. You know, like he's the stud. I mean, that... That was cool because, again, I, I predicted this. These two chicks got tired of this asshole shit. Why should we fight with each other when he's the asshole? And I will say, 
it went a little over the PG line. That Some of that dancing that those gals were doing last night, I will say I did enjoy that part of Raw as well. I, th- I think Dolph should have the bitches come out full time. They should be in his corner. Like, I, I, I think it's a great gimmick for him. I mean, he's, he's a fucking boss. The fact that this guy is not main eventing and, and, and a bigger star than he is is a travesty. I know, I know he's injury prone. That's, what, that's the excuse. He's injury prone. Fuck, man. That guy is so over. He is so fucking over. And he's being held down. And it just disgusts me. I said it over the weekend. They want to punish Emma. They're going to end up throwing her with Fandango. And you know what? I would have them. I'd have Fandango find a third chick and then have Dolph steal her, too. And now he's got like this fucking matriarch, like these three chicks he's got. Just put him way over, man. Make him the godfather without the sleaze. Like he's just he's the ladies man, you know, the guy all the chicks dig. Well, goddamn! I mean, Amy Schumer broke up with him because he was too athletic in bed. What does that fucking tell you? I can't handle it. <laughs> He's got fucking Layla and Summer Rae now. Fuck it, go for it. Uh, you know, again, I, I just it kills me. The Paige and AJ segment killed me. I mean, don't ever let Paige get on a microphone again. Oh, I got a pain in my chest. Hold on. The bitch can yeah. wrestle, but goddamn it, shut the fuck up. Don't talk. <laughs> I mean, just stand there and look pretty. Fucking hit somebody with your fucking finish, you know. Put somebody in a submission hole, but shut the fuck up. Don't ever talk again. Oh, yeah, and she is bad. No, it was fucking brutal. It wasn't bad. It was brutal. Yeah, I was sitting there like, you know, I don't know that whole thing at the end. Like now, her and AJ like each other and shit. Oh, oh that was such a great match. Oh, AJ, but but the commentary, like, I, I'm surprised it was so bad. I thought King was gonna have another heart attack. Now, the final thing I want to talk about on Raw was the Chris Jericho Bray Wyatt promo. I thought Jericho was on point. He still proves that he's one of the best men on the microphone. He got his point across. You know, Bray Wyatt comes on the screen, says what he has to say. And the fucking idiots in Richmond are boo are, are chanting boring. Are you fucking kidding me? This guy's one of the best promos in fucking 20 years in pro wrestling. He's intense. He's dark. And these motherfuckers in the crowd are chanting boring. What the fuck do you people want? It was a segment that didn't involve them. I just don't. If you, I'll put it to you this way. If you can sit there and call any promo Bray Wyatt has cut since his debut on Raw boring, you should be banned. There should be a way they can block wrestling from coming into your home because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I'm sorry. I know we always say we respect everyone's opinion. And maybe there are some people out there who, for whatever reason, find Bray Wyatt boring. I think you're nuts, but Chris Jericho, come on. Anyone who's been watching wrestling for the better part of 15 years knows fucking Jericho can cut when it comes to promo work. I, I, I just... I don't know what the fans today want. I don't think they know what they want. Oh, they do know what they want. There's no... Look, don't question why the fuck at the beginning of this show did I play Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Because the fucking fans that pay their money to go to these fucking shows for the last two years want to dominate and be the fucking star of the show. They don't go to watch wrestling. They go to steal the fucking show. It's not about the guys in the fucking ring. It's about them. 
They want to hijack it. It's all about the fucking audience. And that's the shit that turns me off. Yeah, and you feel you feel bad for guys like, okay, I know Jericho doesn't give a fuck. But I mean guys like Bray, who works probably works his ass off. I can't imagine his promos being scripted because a writer that good, there'd be other better promo work. I think it's mostly his shit. And I mean, what a way to shit on a guy. You know, it's like just I I felt bad for him I mean his his promo was not boring nothing he says is boring do you not get it the reason Bray Wyatt if you would shut the motherfuck up and listen to the promo you imbeciles what he was basically saying last night was you want to present yourself as the thing that I want to be you said you were a savior you were going to save us what Bray is saying is no motherfucker I'm the new savior I'm the new role model. I'm the new guy who has the fans in his pocket, and that's why I attacked you. Bray's already given his reason if you just fucking listen. Yeah, I mean, his words do have meaning behind them. I I thought that him talking about Chris, Chris Jericho being a savior was right on point because that's exactly what he said when he came back. You know, I'm the savior. Save us, Y2J. That was his whole fucking gimmick. It was deep. And if you didn't get it, I don't to tell you. It was deep. It had fucking meaning. That, you know, that's one of the only matches I'm really looking forward to on the pay-per-view. But I said that was the last thing. I, 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 I want to touch on this one, too. And this is it. Jack Swagger and Rusev. I thought that their little promo, their detente or whatever the fuck they were calling it, went on too long. I thought that at one point Zeb kind of made a mistake when he says shut up Bullwinkle. He should have said shut up Boris because it didn't make sense for Natasha to be standing there with Bullwinkle. It's Boris and Natasha is who they are, not Bullwinkle and Natasha. So he kind of fucked up there. I thought that his promo that he cut was passioned because he is a vet and good for him for that, and I respect that. And I thought that he said everything he needed to say. They agreed to the match. I like that. Rusev tried to get the better by hitting uh, Jack Swagger with the the super kick. And Swagger caught it and put it in the ankle lock, the Patriot lock. Shades of Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels from fucking 2005. And I love that spot. I thought it was great. And Mm -hmm. Swagger looked like a fucking boss going into this pay-per-view match on Sunday. He looks like he stands a chance against Rusev. And I know that people are saying, oh, Jack Swagger's over. As soon as he loses on Sunday, nobody's going to give a shit about Jack Swagger. It's over for him. And I hate to say that because, to a point, this whole thing has kind of put him over. But once he loses cleanly to the Russian and the Bulgarian and he taps out, America's great hope is diminished. And the fans are so fickle, they'll say, fuck you, you failed us, because... Swagger always chokes in the big one. How many matches does Swagger win on the daily? What, he beats Kofi Kingston every once in a while? But when it comes to a major star, he fucking loses. And it's not going to be any different on Sunday. He's going to lose. It's going to be done. So good build up for this, but Jack Swagger is a fucking faint memory the Monday after this. Next Monday, nobody will give a fuck about Swagger. I do one or two things to save it. I'd either have Rusev win, but by DQ, where he tries everything. Now, 
mind you, Swagger can't beat him clean either. But Rusev tries everything. They try everything to beat each other. And finally, Rusev gets that, you know, I smash mentality, goes nuts, hits Swags with a chair or something, and he gets DQ'd. This way, you know, okay, Swagger gets the win, but it, it's a DQ finish. Or what I would really do is they're never going to do this because I know it was Austin Spot and Swagger. Have Swagger get put in the accolade and lose by passing out, not tapping. I, I could respect that. Yeah. But at the same time, people will like, well, he fucking lost. He couldn't get it done. You know, and, and Zeb Coulter has stood by Jack Swagger all this time, loss after loss after loss. How can you, as Zeb Coulter, have confidence in Jack Swagger if he can't beat the fucking foreigner that's talking shit about America? How do you continue to – they have booked him in a situation where he's kind of fucked because if he loses, he's done. If he wins, then you've derailed Rusev because you need to keep him, you need to keep him undefeated. You need to keep him fresh. So I think that they've done a, a bad booking scenario here for Jack Swagger. He's going to go back to being the guy that fucking jobs to everybody on Raw again. Well, let's see. I'm going to have a little optimism about this one. I got a feeling maybe they'll pull something out of their hat creative. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You you have that feeling. I, I don't have that confidence in the product right now, but that's just me. Uh, overall, what was your letter grade for the show? Well, I mean, like you, there were a couple little things I enjoyed, but I was more annoyed than anything else. For a, a go-home show, <laughs> I have to give it just a straight-up D. It was pretty bad. We're on the same page because I give it a D. Like for seriously, for a go home show, they did nothing to further my interest outside of maybe Rusev and Swagger and Bray Wyatt and Jericho. I, I don't really fucking care. I mean, the Usos and and Harper and and Rowan might be good. It's two out of three falls. That's got my interest peaked, but everything else is fucking filler here. I don't give a shit. This pay per view means nothing to me. Like, they did a shitty job of fucking putting it over. Shitty. And we might see more of this because you got to remember the network has changed things. But here's the deal. If you're someone who doesn't have the network, did they do anything to make you pony up 10 bucks to see this? Now, of course, that's kind of an odd question because there's other things on the network. But if you're in a place that doesn't have the network, which I don't think they care anymore, and you don't have the means to see it on the Internet, are you sure as fuck going to pay fifty four ninety nine for what you saw last night? No fucking way. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, look, I, w- I wouldn't pay. For, I wouldn't pay fifty bucks for it. I'll tell you that now. If I didn't have the network, I'd be. I'd be taking Sunday off. I'd be like, fuck that shit. I'm not buying that pay per view. Should I be right there with you? I wouldn't even go through the trouble of try to find a fucking stream if I didn't have the network. So I'm with you. But at the end of the day, at least we can get together and have fun. And guess what? It's not costing us a fucking dime extra. So to hell with it. Yeah. Cut the network. But I mean, you know, here we're talking about a, a, a network that is considered a failure by most because they're not getting the, the numbers of subscribers that they want. And you're putting out some fucking stale ass bullshit product even into a pay-per-view or a special event. You're not putting anything over that makes me want to buy this pay-per-view. So what? It's $10. I, like, again, you're doing a shitty job of putting this pay-per-view over. 
That's why you're not getting people to subscribe because of the shit you're fucking doing. Like, oh, because CM Punk's fucking documentary's on tonight, I'm supposed to give a shit? Whoop-de-fucking-do. That shit came out three years ago. Yeah, that, that one came out of, like, thin air. I'm like, and I saw that last night. Oh, CM Punk. Dan, dan, dan. I'm like, the fuck? Well, well, we'll have more on that in the news segment. But anyway, we're both giving this a D. Raw fucking sucked. A couple of promising things happened, but for the most part, if you haven't seen the show, don't go out of your way to fucking watch it. Oh, no. If you haven't seen Raw, just like I'm talking about, you know, paint your wall and sit there and watch it dry. You'll have more fun. <laughs> Agreed. Well, I tell you what, we're going to go ahead. Oh, fuck. Before I take commercial break, I got to play a clip. I got this today, and, well, I don't know, Bronx. You might not like what's being said here, but uh, it is what it is. We'll be right back, folks, in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, bad news, bad. Yes, my name is Bane, and I'm afraid I have bad news. For those of you that watched Monday Night Raw last night, perhaps you saw John Cena give Ric Flair the World Heavyweight Championship title belt. It would appear that the WWE has decided to retire the belt. That's great news if you live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Because somewhere next week at a pawn shop, you'll be able to pick up the World Heavyweight Championship title belt. Injustice? I certainly think so. You're welcome. Suck it, Mirabella. Ladies and gentlemen, bad news, bad There you have it, folks. Bad News Bane returning once again to wreak havoc on the SNS radio network on Unplugged. And correct me if I'm wrong, but th- did he tell you to suck it before he yeah. went off the air? <laughs> what the fuck's up with that? Well, what's his problem? Well, you were talking shit when he came back. You well, were not, I, I you, just, just talked shit. Listen, listen, you said you weren't happy the guy was back. So I guess that's his way of getting back at you. But it was pretty blatant. Suck it. Well, fuck him, because you know what? He's like CM Punk. He fucking left us. He didn't give us any fucking word. He just disappears for months upon months and then just comes back. Are you kidding me? I hope your throat cord falls out, motherfucker. How's that? I hope you lose your mask. Wow. Things are heating up on the SNS radio network. Well, anyway, that was Bad News Bane. We're going to take our our next commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Anthony Farley to talk some NXT News of the week, and uh, we're going to wrap some things up shortly thereafter. So with that being said, stay tuned for more right here on SNS Unplugged. What's up? This is Phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network. Do it. 
Hey guys, JJ Sexay here. Are you looking for the latest news in both professional wrestling and mixed martial arts? Well, check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for one of the longest-running newsletters in professional wrestling over 16 years. And just like Wrestling News Live, it's absolutely free. Join over 27,000 other subscribers, wrestling-online.com. You will learn to pronounce my name properly. Wrestling dash online dot com. Hey everybody, this is the Bronx Father to tell you about the Get In The Zone podcast every weekend right here on the SNS Radio Network with myself, my co-host Anthony Farley, and bringing you the TNA recap. No, God, please, no, no! L Train. We also cover SmackDown, some news, and you might even get moments like this. Oh, my brother, testify! Wow. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that, that, was, that wasn't half bad. <laughs> what the f***? <laughs> to quote, see, since I'm imitating, since I'm imitating Devon tonight, I might as well run the gamut of black wrestlers and go with Booker T. Tell me I did not just... Here's that. It's one of those things to edit. (laughs) (laughs) To edit or not to edit? That is the question. (laughs) For the reaction, you cannot edit this one. Oh, shit. Anthony's dead. He's just done. (laughs) Oh, we might as well just end the show right now. So... Check out the archive every single weekend and drop us an email anytime. SNS get in the zone at gmail.com. Right here on the SNS Radio Network. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And I want to take a moment to let you guys know that personally, I appreciate the support that we've had here on the SNS Radio Network over the years. And I'm here to tell you about a new way that you can help us out and show your support for the SNS Radio Network. We now have a way for you to uh, donate to the SNS Radio Network. If you go to the SNSRadioNetwork.com main page, scroll down, there is now a donate button on the page. Now, I'm not saying you have to donate to us, 
but your donation is very appreciated as we do a lot of hard work on the SNS Radio Network. Spend a lot of our time and our own money to make sure that you guys have uh, entertaining podcasts and live shows on the SNS Radio Network. So to those who have donated so far, on behalf of the SNS Radio Network, we appreciate you and your continued support. And for those that will donate in the future, again, we thank you for your support of the SNS Radio Network. www.snsradionetwork.com providing you with free podcast since 2010. history-making matches at the annual Summer Classic. This is where the summertime kicks off! As legends and icons clashed at the bash. Oh my God, they're standing now! Steger has done it! It's a comprehensive look at the most patriotic pay-per-view of all time. Hosted by WWE Hall of Famer and bash creator, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. United We Slam, the best of the great American bash. Back to the show, and two guys with delusions of grandeur, Tony J. Mirabella and Jeff Jackson. true story bro girls do like cars and money i can't deny that the majority of them they're superficial some of them i've got neither so i'm fucked or rather you're not fucked yeah that's you're right that's more appropriate that that, that is more appropriate well, joining us on the phone line, ladies and gentlemen, of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. He is Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella, or as I'm calling him tonight, Puddles. Joining us on the Skype line, ladies and gentlemen, I do believe we have the host. Well, we did. He just hung up. The fuck is wrong with you? I put his, you in the call, and then he fucking hangs up. His call, all I said, all I saw was call failed. It just shit it's like his co-hosting freaking endeavors it just failed farley are you having skypey and death drop problems tonight i don't know what the fuck's going on 
I bring you in, and all of a sudden it says epic fail. I don't know. What the fuck happened? Yeah, but if you talk to some people, that's probably the case whenever I'm on the freaking network. Oh, have some confidence, man. Don't let people <laughs> bring you down. All you got to do is believe. Grow no. boys. And I got, I got fucking called out by a serial killer, and I'm still here. Uh, don't worry, Puddles. Now, wait one second, Sonny. JJ can call me Puddles. You do that shit again, there's going to be a problem. You'll be making your own fucking Puddles in a minute there, Farley. <laughs> oh, God. You might need the Depends. I'm telling you, man, we just got to, you know, that might actually work. We just got to get what fucking depends. We need sponsors on the network, you know. Well, I, we are getting older. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 40. Lord knows, you know, in another 10 years, I might have bladder control problems. I might need the fucking depends. Uh, I don't know, man. When it gets that bad, I might just jump in front of a fucking car. I don't know. If it gets that bad, I'm going to fucking do the broadcast from the bathroom. When I, when, I, when I lose control of my own penis, that's when I'm done. Oh, no shit, dude. Uh, the day I get erectile dysfunction, my life is over. I hope that never fucking happens. The day that I start fucking shitting my pants and wetting myself, we got problems. I don't know if I could continue on at that point. Yeah, having a you know, fucking, you know, sex should be a spontaneous thing. Not hold on, baby. The pill takes 15 minutes to take effect. And what happens if it fucking gets stuck in my throat? Then my throat is stiff for hours. And not only that, I, I don't know. You know, they say if you have a hard-on longer than four hours, seek medical attention. I would say seek a hooker. I would say seek a whorehouse. <laughs> you, you know what? If I'm going to get Rick Mortis in my dick and die in 10 hours, I might as well fuck all I can. <laughs> no shit. May as well please as many bitches as you possibly can. <laughs> What the hell did I step into? Welcome to the show, Farley. What's up? <laughs> Nothing much. Fortunately, this week's kind of been okay, but I just have to help my parents get ready for a trip. That's they're going to be going in a couple days. God damn it! We had we had entertaining weeks, and the best you come up with was, "I got to help my parents move." I'm here, but hi, JJ. Shut up and go get sunburned again. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm muting out and back. <laughs> whoa. This is, this is good. Whoa. See what happens when you piss me off? It's called boot, motherfucker. Really? Wow. Motherfucker growing some balls. The fuck are you <laughs> thinking? I thought I was the only one who was allowed. Are you fucking off your goddamn rocker? I wish to apologize for that statement. That's good. Because I gave you a one-week free pass to stay with the network. You pull that shit again, I'll revoke that shit. <laughs> I apologize. All right. Now, how the fuck did I lose Bronx on that call? Bronx, are you back? Yeah, after you fucking hung up on... Look, we need, <laughs> we need to get Skype under control, okay? Either Anthony's epic failing or getting hung up on or I'm getting put on hold. This turned into a clusterfuck. Okay, the truth of the matter is... This isn't getting in the zone. Hold on. The truth of the matter is I hung up on both of you. So fuck you both. Anyway, Farley, let's talk some NXT. Shut the fuck up and... All right, shut the fuck up with this and start talking about NXT. Yeah, I'm sitting back. Go ahead. (laughs) All right, the first show match was um, Bailey versus Summer Rae with the winner getting a shot at the NXT women's title. 
Be- uh, Bailey was able to just avoid getting a sneak attack, but when she tries to chase out the be- uh, Summer from the outside to back into the ring, she gets blindsided. Though in, in the end, she was it- her belly to belly um su- finisher was blocked, and she got hit with Summer's finisher, which is called the Summer Crush. So we're gonna see Summer Ray versus Bailey at a future date. Woohoo! <laughs> we get a recap of what happened at the end of last week's show. And then we hear what Neville and uh, Sami Zayn have their opinion about it. Neville says it's cheap, but Zayn says, I'm not surprised by what Tyson kid, but what Gabriel, Justin Gabriel did, that was a surprise. And they haven't heard the last one of the two of us. We didn't get a retort from Kid and Gabriel, and Gabriel said, like, dude, I just made a choice of no longer being a loser. I started NXT four years ago, and now I'm back here. I have no discredit to the talent here because they're great. But um, I just say that uh, I just got finally tired of losing all this time, and it took uh, Tyson Kidd to make me realize that. And the, then he leaves, and Kidd doesn't say one word during the whole interview. Uh, now we have Sin Cara versus Wesley Blake. It's mostly controlled by Cara throughout the match, going for a quick pin attempt. and actually hits a suicide dive out of the ring. And even though he gets sucker punched by Blake and he gets hit with an arm breaker, he still gets the win after hitting a um, high angle swanton to win. Isn't uh, Wesley Blake actually Jody Christofferson? I'm not completely sure, but I did notice that the referee here was um, indie talent Drake Younger. I know he's been with the company for a while, but this is the first time I really noticed him as the referee. Because I'm thinking that's who that is. I, I could be I could be wrong, but. He looked a lot like Chris Christopherson. I know his son is there, and I can't remember the gimmick that he used to have, but uh, I thought it was his son. And if it was, I, I was actually pretty impressed with the kid. So kudos to, uh, to him if, if that is the case. I could be wrong, but it looked like uh, Chris Christopherson's kid. Uh, now we have Natty talking to Kid about the interview that Kid had with Renee Young last week. And Tyson said, Egg, I felt like I got ambushed by Renee, so... I- I wasn't prepared for that kind of interview, and he just says, no, it was not the case. I didn't feel like you were the reason why I lost Natty, so don't think that's the case. And, heck, if you want to be, don't want to be in my corner during the tag match later tonight, that's fine. And then he walks off. Actually, ha- actually, what, what I love was when he retorted with her and said, hey, if you don't want to accompany me to the ring, then, hey, stay backstage and find something fun to do if that's what you're into. I thought that was great. I mean, what a dick. Good move. <laughs> I, I thought it was great. I'm loving, loving this heel Tyson kid, I'm loving the friction between him and Natty. Uh, love it. Love it. We then had Summer Rae and Sasha Banks in the back, I guess, putting on makeup. And while Summer's boasting about being now the number one contender, said, hey, Banks, even though we're no longer part of the BFFs, we can still hang out with each other. Banks is trying to mention Charlotte, but Summer's like, I do not want to hear that name at all. So soon it will be the Summer of Summer Rae. Uh, then we have CJ Park. He asked... Xavier Woods to come out so he can apologize for his words last week. Woods said, I know what you're doing, man, okay? I know you're full of shit. So he denies the apology and doesn't um, shake the hand. So when he leaves, he gets sucker, uh, sucker punched from behind. And Neville, I mean, CJ Parker walks to the back. And then we have the Valde villains. I'm sorry if that didn't sound right. The Vaude villains. The Vaude villains. Um, it was like a little vignette talking about how they're going to be Anthony, the best. Anthony, listen. L- listen <laughs> to the sound of my voice. Vaude villains. 
Vod villains. Like mod, but it's Vod. Vod villains. Vod villains. All right. Oh, my God. Right off. Do that again. Vod villains. Oh, fuck. That sounded good. Vod villains. Come on. You got this. Okay. I'm not. They, it's a little vignette with them saying they're going to be the best tag team in NXT and they will soon become the tag team champions before they have their little theatrical laughing and then it cuts off. Yes, it's great. I love it. Vaud <laughs> villains. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your speech coach. We're going to work this out. This is good. Oh, boy. Well, you were able to get freaking Bronx to say freaking Rusev, right? No, that's a lost cause. I give up on that one. <laughs> uh, we have now Bull Dempsey versus Angelo Dawkins. This is complete control by the Bull all the way through. He was able to block a sunset flip attempt by just sitting on Dawkins. And after even getting hit with a drop kick, he hits a back elbow corner splash and gets the win after the bulldozer. He takes the mic afterwards and says he's the wrecking ball and he won't stop until he's the NXT champion. I like Bull Dempsey. I, I like the gimmick. I like that he's not a uh, jacked up, muscled up dude. He's got a bit of a belly. He's kind of a badass. I like Bull Dempsey. I like it. Drew, in a way, he kind of reminds me of like the early versions of Rhino, in a way. He kind of reminds me of an early version of Taz, too. When he was a Tasmaniac? Yes. Mm. Like I said, there's potential there. I'm not going to deny it. Only, only Taz was in much better shape. I'm just saying, this guy reminds me of, 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 he just reminds me of a bully. You know, like, like a kid on, a, on, you know, at school that would like, you know, well, obviously, from your experience, would put you in a locker and take your lunch money. Ah, uh, yes, the memories. I mean, to me, that's, that's exactly what he reminds me of. And, and I think it works. I like the gimmick. Um, we then have Sami Zayn is in the back with Adrian Neville. Neville explains why he helped um, Zayn because, heck, they knew each other from way back. And said that, heck, we're going to go into the ring and we're going to show uh, Kid and Gabriel what, we're, what they're all about. Which then leads to the tag match, which is Neville and Zayn versus Kid and Justin Gabriel. With Natalia apparently coming out to ringside. The faces have control, hitting repeated tag moves and all that. Actually, we see Neville spring off uh, kneeling um, Zayn and hits a corkscrew moonsault onto one of the guys for a cl- close near fall. And it's basically them in control until... Um, Zane's caught in the corner of the heels and he gets knocked all the way out to the outside. Then he gets hit with simultaneous kicks and a, until Neville finally gets tagged in, hitting the flying forearm, low drop kick, standing moonsault for a two count. But in the end, um, after making the tag to, uh, back to Zane, he hits a plancha out to the ring outside. Zane hits a top rope crossbody on Kid for a two. They start, and after um, Kid tries to do a feigning of his previously injured leg they start throwing punches at each other natty's coming up because she thought that kid was really hurt uh zane able to punch kid and knocks him right into natalia they both looking out to her said dude are you okay they look like they're both going to go out to outside and check on her but kid just comes rolls up zane and gets the three count for him and gabriel you know what i love about this the ending of the match here first of all natalia shouldn't have been on the apron she was in a bad spot she shouldn't have been there but the fact that, you know, uh, Zane hits him and knocks him into the ropes, knocking Natalia off, she takes a bump to the outside. They're both concerned about her at this point, or at least he's feigning concern about her. And Sami Zayn goes out to check on her, or starts to, and then, 
you got Tyson Kidd rolling him up, holding on to the tights for the one, two, three. I thought it was fucking fantastic. What a yeah, great... then afterward, after he wins the match, he's all celebrating. He's like, oh, I got to go check on my wife. Bro, okay. Bro, slow your roll. Chill for a second. Sorry. Let me finish my train of thought. Go what ahead. I, what I liked about it was that he rolls him up for the one, two, three, and then he's celebrating. Absolutely. It's like he doesn't give a shit that Natalia's on the outside hurt. And Zayn and Neville are like, what the fuck just happened? We're more concerned about his wife than he is. And he's celebrating up the ramp until Natalia gets up and sees him. And then he's like, oh, I better go check on my wife. I thought it was great. You know, and then they're all celebrating and she's she's not happy. You can tell. But I like the dissension. I like where they're going because they're going to end up turning her full fledged heel. Yeah. because And I'm liking the net. It's doing the slow burn between her and Tyson. It's like whether it leads down to some kind of issue. I'm not saying that we're ever going to see a match between those two. Maybe in the end, like, someone comes to the aid of Nat- Natalia against Kid, But I don't ever think we're ever going to see an actual match between those two. No, probably not. But overall, this was a good show. I mean, the, we saw another developing more of um, Bull Dempsey. And apparently now setting up for the Summer versus Charlotte match on the road, which I think is not going to happen next on this upcoming episode. But I think that has potential at least being... Okay, because I'm not expecting a Matt Classic between those two. No, but I think they'll pull something out. I mean, again, not Matt Classic, but it'll be decent. Yeah, and I'm kind of hoping, like I said, I kind of know what happens, but I don't know in depth what happens. I'm kind of hoping they don't have Sasha Banks really getting involved. Let just those two have a match. And then maybe in the end have Sasha face whoever's the champion afterward. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But overall, it it was a good show. Agreed, and as I, you said earlier in the show, JJ, NXT is a great show to watch. On a regular basis, it's one to check out, and I'm glad that Triple H has more control of this uh, that product than probably Vince probably wants him to. I can guarantee you we saw more wrestling action on NXT than we did Raw. Yeah, because um, basically the only, there was only those short little segments Everything that was not in the ring was like short, like probably less than five minutes. Like, din, 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 din. Yep. Yeah. So I got to say, if you want, if you get tired of watching what's on Raw or SmackDown, even though I think SmackDown's a good product, it's still going, watch NXT. Yeah, but SmackDown has become the, the, uh, the continuation Raw of Raw. Win. Yeah, it's, it's basically the continuation of Raw, the setup for Raw. You know, it used to be a show that was, you know, featured wrestling talent and, it was his own show, basically, but now it's it's not. But it is what it is. Yeah. When Bischoff came as the general manager for Raw, people still say SmackDown had the better product. Yeah, that's true. All right, Anthony, well, thanks for stopping by for the NXT Rewind. We'll talk to you again next week, dude. Oh, good. I still have my spot on the show. <laughs> uh, you interrupt me one more time, you won't. Oh, I'll try not to do that again. That's right. I'll talk to you later. Later. All right, guys, that was Anthony Farley for the NXT Rewind. It's time to go ahead and transition into a little thing we like to call the news of the week, sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling-online.com. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, go check it out. It's free. comes in your inbox three, four times a week, depending on how busy the news week is. Fuck, you don't have to go to the sites. It comes right to you. But uh, once again, wrestling-online.com. I 
And now, it's time for the news, sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com. As most of you know, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, is in fact back with the WWE. He returned to the WWE on Saturday night at the non-televised event in Madison Square Garden in New York. Flair not only captured the 10 Lumberjacks who were in John Cena's corner, but also got physical in the ring with Cena's opponent, who was Bray Wyatt. The Nature Boy ended up in the ring throwing punches and his famous chops to the Wyatt family leader and even busted up Bray the hard way with a punch right above his eye. That's right, Flair busted Bray Wyatt open hard way. Wyatt eventually took down Flair with a left hand before the match continued. The two-time WWE Hall of Famer underwent a series of tests last month, which cleared him to return for some physical activities. So you can, if you haven't seen that, you can see the video over at wrestling-online.com. So Ric Flair comes back and busts open Bray Wyatt. I wouldn't have believed that had I not read it, Rox. Well, I, I think I read it was his ring that did it. I mean, dude, don't you take your ring off while you get in the ring? Fuck no, you use that motherfucker. That's the dirtiest player in the game. You use every advantage you got. The fucking ring will work. You know, I, I got a little mad about it at first, but now that I really have thought about it, maybe it was kind of Rick saying, you know what, let me really see what this kid's got, you know. L let's just see. I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was kind of like Rick putting the, the mark on him, you know, like the mark of Zorro. Yeah, no doubt. From the Who Really Gives a Fuck file, apparently Flo Rider will be uh, the guest celebrity on Raw next week. Uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, he has a history with the WWE. The 34-year-old artist is a big WWE fan and has appeared at WrestleMania uh, 28 in a backstage segment, as well as performing Wild Ones and Good Feeling just before The Rock came out for his match against John Cena. He also collaborated with WWE in the 2012 Tribute to the Troops, where he performed Let It Roll and Wild Ones Live for the Troops. Uh, again, for those of you that are fans of Flowrider, woohoo! He's going to be on Raw next week. For the rest of us, we don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, Florida with a space, like I like to call him, he just, I don't know, doesn't do anything for me. I'm like, uh, you know, can't we end the celebrity shit once and for all, please? You know, it would be interesting if they would do that. On a pay-per-view, okay. But, like, on a Raw, I'm like, it's just, I don't know, waste of my time. Well, I'll give it up for him. At least he's a fan. At least he grew up watching the product and is a fan. At least oh, yeah. he's not a douche like Jeremy Piven, who never fucking watched a show and is going to come on and cut a promo, talk about how the match at Summerfest is going to be this. And, you know, thank God for that. But, hey, you know what? He'll show up. He'll perform. He'll do something. Maybe he'll be involved in another backstage altercation with Heath Slater. Who knows? I don't know. Flow rider next week. Who gives a shit? I, I'm, I'm not caring. Uh, back to some WWE news. WWE has announced that it will report its 2014 second quarter results on Thursday, July 31st, before the opening of the market. Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon and Chief Strategy and Financial Officer George Barrios will host a conference call beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern to discuss the results. The results will include financial data from WrestleMania 30 and its related activities. So it will be interesting to see how they compare with last year's Mania and how they compare with the prior year quarter when taking out WrestleMania-generated income. WWE will also announce the updated number of subscribers for their network 
a number which many believe will be less than 667,000 that was previously announced back in April. That's going to be a very, a very telling date. I'm looking forward to seeing what that information holds. Yeah, but how can it how can that be because anyone who signed up those 666 7000 whatever that they said signed up can't cancel yet. That's true. So that, the that number really can't drop. I mean, I can't see how that's possible. You know what? Reading that, you're right. If they did sign up, then absolutely. They have a 6-month contract that they have to fulfill. Even if they don't watch it anymore, they're still getting deducted the money. So, yeah. Unless people just changed their bank accounts and canceled the checks. and sh- or Like, I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. There is a subscription fee there. So we'll see. Now, you said what? July, was it 31st? July 31st, yep. End of the month. Damn, that's a Thursday. I got to work that day. I just want to, you know, hopefully, I'll try to get a lot of stuff done before that so I can watch the IWC break down and disintegrate. Oh, no doubt about that. News comes out. No doubt. Uh, Universal is eyeing Rock for a new movie. That's right. The Hollywood Reporter has a story about former WWE champion Dwayne The Rock Johnson being in discussion to star as the leading role in Universal's upcoming movie titled The Jansen Directive, based on a Robert Ludlum novel. Uh, While no writer or director has been chosen yet, the project is still in its very early stages. Universal is hoping to turn this into a potential franchise with The Rock leading the charge. The story is about an ex-Navy SEAL and covert ops specialist who now works as a security consultant, and when a rescue operation goes down the drain, he's targeted for termination and must go on the run to clear his name. Johnson's next movie out in theaters will be Hercules, which comes out on July 25th. He has Fast and Furious 7 and San Andreas also lined up for next year, as well as two new TV shows, a reality show for TNT, and a dramedy titled Ballin' for HBO. Now, all you motherfuckers out there that bitch that The Rock's not back wrestling and how dare he come back and be a part-timer, tell me that motherfucker don't have a full fucking plate. Tell me he's not fucking busy. I'd still like to get The Rock unplugged and ask him, you know, what is it like to actually throw your pillow out the window and just fill a pillowcase with hundreds and go to sleep? I guess. He'll never be on this show. He's too fucking, he's too fucking big to be on this show. But you know what? <laughs> Kudos to The Rock. The guy works his ass off. And when he does come back to wrestling, he doesn't do it for the money. He does it because he loves the business. I think The Rock just wants to be, I don't know. I get the feeling where, like, he's going to be one of those guys in, like, five, six years who says, you know what, man, either I'm done or I'm taking a break because he's been working so hard. The guy's got to have enough money to light his freaking cigars with hundreds. Has to. I'm sure he does. I mean, holy shit, all the things you just mentioned. No other wrestler will do this. The same way no other wrestler will go 21-1 and at WrestleMania. No, I cannot imagine another wrestler ever in our lifetimes moving from pro wrestling to movies and having this type of fucking success. Never. Yeah, yeah Miz, it ain't happening for you, so shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on, you went there, really? Miz is like the Roddy Piper of fucking movies. Like, how many Roddy Piper movies did he fucking make that were just B-movies? Like, dude's made over 100 fucking movies. Roddy Piper has. Yeah, Actually, but I mean, like, you're sitting... You, okay, wait, 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 wait. Bad comparison. He's more like Hulk Hogan. Because at least Roddy Piper had They Live, okay? Miz has never had a hit on his fucking hands. So technically, I guess you could say he's like Hulk Hogan at the movies. 
And it makes Miz's promos all the more like ridiculous. It's like, here's Universal throwing bricks through Rock's window with fucking, you know, amounts of money written on them. And then you got the Miz. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, PW Insider is reporting that WWE is working on releasing an autobiography of Daniel Bryan with the work title so far being, Yes, My Improbable Journey to the Main Event of WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan will be writing the book along with WWE staff Craig Tello, whose only other book so far is the short Shawn Michaels one, which was titled Diary of the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, Journey into the WWE Hall of Fame, as published by Simon & Schuster. The book is planned for April of 2015. The good news is at least he has time off that he can help do this book. The bad news is his future is in question. I wish him a speedy recovery, and I hope that he is able to come back, but things ain't looking too good for the Daniel Bryan front, folks. Yeah, I don't know when this book was originally conceptualized, but it scares me the fact that they're even writing this. You know, it's kind of like that, do they know something about his career that we don't know? You know, it's like, you know, Mick Foley started this, but when Mick did it, you know, it was like a huge deal. Now, like, everyone writes an autobiography, but still... He really hasn't been on top that long to warrant like an, an autobiography. That kind of scares me. It kind of tells me that maybe they know he's done. No doubt. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I, I, I don't know. I, I personally, and this is not going to be a popular decision, I think he's done. I, I think that he's got so much damage that they're going to tell him that he should never wrestle again. He's going to be like Edge and have to quit early. I, I, I don't want that to happen. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm trying to send the guy all the positive vibes that I can. I just got a bad feeling. You know, it's like that gut feeling. It's like a premonition. I think he's done. I really do. I, I just I don't know that he's coming back from this. I, you know, yeah. and, and I wish him well, and I hope that he does because I'm a Daniel Bryan fan. But I just got a bad feeling, folks. Oh, no. I mean, no one can misinterpret what you're saying. I mean, in an ideal world, you know, I would give anything. You know, if it meant me helping the guy personally somehow, I'd give anything to see Brian come back, and I hope he does. None of us are saying that's what we want, not at all. I definitely want to see him back. But like you said, I just have kind of that spidey sense where I get bad vibes, and I'm getting bad vibes from all of this. I think we'll see, man. We'll see how the – it'll be real telling after the second surgery. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, more news on The Rock. He appeared on ESPN SportsCenter to discuss his new movie, Hercules. Uh, Johnson was subject to different kinds of questions from fans via Twitter live on the show. When asked what was his most challenging gig uh, playing for the U, wrestling in the WWE, or shooting Hercules, The Rock barely hesitated and answered, it's certainly wrestling in the WWE. Crazy schedule, unbelievable, Rock said. Before answering the next question on who would win a three-way match between Hercules, Hulk, or The Rock, without a shadow of a doubt, him. And I mean this with all due respect to Hercules, The Rock. When the host asked him about one more match, the former champion said, possibly, sure. You can see the video over at wrestling-online.com. So he wasn't definitive. He said possibly. So yeah, the Rock, but he also didn't. Sorry, Jason. Go ahead. No, he also didn't say, well, you know, no, no way I'm done. He didn't say that either. So, again, the guy's still putting wrestling over. He could have just said, no, ain't going to happen. I'm done. But he's still got that loyalty, man. So, Yep. 
Uh, Brock Lesnar is expected to be uh, coming back to the WWE in the very near future. He's scheduled to return to WWE television imminently to start his SummerSlam program uh, with the current champion. On Raw last night, Paul Heyman offered Triple H and Stephanie McMahon a plan C, just in case everything fails at the battleground pay-per-view on Sunday. Obviously, we know plan C is Brock Lesnar. Yeah, but how do you insert him into that? I mean, it's like if the match ends and Rollins, let's say Cena goes over. Rollins tries to cash in and he fails. What are you going to do? Come out and say, oh, well, now, you know, Brock Lesnar is cashing in what? The fact that he beat the streak? How do you work this? I think that you bring him back and you say, you know, uh, obviously, for those of you that don't know, my name is Paul Heyman and he is Brock Lesnar and he is the one in 21. He beat the Undertaker streak and he wants a title match. I think beating the Undertaker streak is a pretty significant thing and would pretty much garner him at the top of the heap. Why not get a title shot? I think it completely builds, especially if John Cena is your champion after, after this. He doesn't duck challenges. He'll fucking put it up against Brock. Yeah, and Triple H will have to come out and approve it, and he will. Of course he will, because even, even though Triple H and Brock have had their rivalry, there's a respect between the two of them now. Triple H respects Brock more uh, now than he did when he first came in. There's that mutual respect. They might not like each other, but at the end of the day, Triple H knows Brock can get the job done. I mean, Brock bested him two out of three. Yeah, but still, I mean, I just would have liked a little more of a, a built. Well, then again, they're, they're not. See, I keep forgetting they're not selling pay-per-views anymore. If they were, you would have had Brock on Raw announcing he's going to be there Sunday. But again, shit's changed. So I don't know. I, I could see how it could work, but I just hate them like, you know, last minute doing shit like that. Maybe there's enough IWC buzz right now and mentioning Plan C that they're hopeful the, the general fans will be smart enough to know, oh, shit, they hinted Brock might show up. I better watch. No doubt. Uh, as, as you know, the WWE had a uh, tour of Japan this past week, and one of the most exciting and most popular wrestlers from Japan, Kinta, was unveiled as the newest WWE superstar at a non-televised live event in Osaka. A signing ceremony took place inside the ring with Kinta, Hulk Hogan, and Jimmy Hart all present. Kinta is an incredible performer who brings the crowd to its feet when he steps in the ring, said Triple H, Paul Levesque, Executive Vice President of Talent Creative of Live Events. WWE's signing of Kinta reflects our continued dedication to create a diverse roster that appeals to our global fan base. Kinta will first start at NXT before working his way up to the main roster. He will be relocating to Orlando, Florida to train at the WWE Performance Center. I am humbled to join WWE's NXT division and look forward to honing my craft with the global leader in sports entertainment, said Kenta. You can see the video of Kenta Hogan and Hart in the ring at the Osaka show at wrestling-online.com. I am happy that they have signed Kenta, but the track record that WWE has with former Japanese talents that they've brought in, although I don't think any of them were as, uh, I guess, high profile as Kenta. For those of you who don't know who Kenta is, he's the guy that, basically invented the go-to-sleep that CM Punk used all these years. He's also the guy that used the flying knee that Daniel Bryan's been using for the last little bit. And he's a, he's a major star in Japan. His name is Kenta Kobayashi, not to be confused with Kenta Kobashi, which is why he went under the name Kenta. And he is a major international superstar. 
My problem is they're not bringing this cat up to the main roster. They're going to put him in NXT, and I hope it's a short stay. I hope he's there for maybe six months or less. And they bring him in, and they have something for him to do. Uh, now that the situation with CM Punk seems to be finalized, maybe he can go back to using the go to sleep. I don't know. Either way, I'm eager to see what they do with Kinta, but at the same time, I'm a little conscientious. Uh, that's probably the wrong word. I'm a little apprehensive at what they're going to do with the guy. Well, if Triple H is booking it, he goes to NXT for six months, he comes to the main roster, he kills motherfuckers, and he gets over. If Vince McMahon is booking it, he stays in NXT for a year, and he comes in as one of the Rosebuds in a Godzilla costume. Yeah, let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. I mean, you know, let's, you know, let's hope. And I understand why you want a guy to go to NXT first, because, you know, you still have to be taught that, you know, that WWE style is always slightly different from everything else. So you got to be taught that style. And so I get why they're doing it, you know, but we'll see, man. I I hope they do right by him. But if you look at some of the, you know, guys they brought in and then they bring them up to Raw and they get completely fucked. Anybody remember Takamichinoku? Bless you. Who? Exactly. Kinzo Suzuki. <laughs> Bless you. Who? Exactly. Tajiri. Well, mm. he had a, he had a modicum of, of success in the mid card. I like Tajiri. They did OK with him. Well, he was always over with me. I always loved Tajiri. He was it was funny because he was such a small guy, but you legitimately believed like he could kill the big show. Remember Funaki? <laughs> Number one Smackdown announcer Funaki. I love Funaki. Who was the one? Was that him? I just spoke to Anthony about this over the weekend. I can't, the guy went, indeed. That, that, that is Funaki. Indeed. I love, I love that. His partner would cut like a 50-minute promo, and then he would just look around and go, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love that shit. Me too, man. That was funny. Uh, let me see. Other news. I do have some TNA stuff. And then I've got some other stuff too, but let's go ahead and jump into this TNA stuff. Oh, God. Uh, a second season of TNA's British Boot Camp has been announced and will be airing on Challenge TV, aptly named, the home of TNA in the United Kingdom. The new series will search for TNA's next UK superstar in an eight-part series, which starts this autumn. TNA will be inviting wrestlers to try out for the show in televised trials, which will take place in Glasgow, Manchester, and London in August of 2014. The winner will receive a contract from TNA, to become a full-time member of its roster with three runners-up winning a spot on TNA's Maximum Impact Tour in the UK in January of 2015. The first series, TNA Wrestling British Boot Camp, was so successful that the winner has gone on to be a major star in America's TNA Impact Wrestling, says Stephen Ladlow, director of Challenge. As Challenge in the UK home for TNA, it's only fitting that we commission a series that invests in new UK talent and inspires passionate TNA fans and challenge viewers alike to the high-pressure world of professional wrestling. The announcement was supposed to be officially done at the London Film and Comic Con 2014 at Earl's Court. However, Challenge TV jumped the gun and unveiled the series beforehand, prompting TNA to let the cat out of the bag earlier than expected. Of course, the major TNA superstar would be Rockstar Spud. Kudos to Mentally Challenged TV for... Whoa, Rockstar Spud. There's your major TNA superstar, folks. But hey, you know what? 
British boot camp, why not? It's like tough enough for them. So a second season, I guess we should have all seen that coming. Yeah, but saying Rockstar Spud is the biggest success out of that, that's like owning a rehab facility and saying, well, the guy who got out only smokes 10 grams of crack a day now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh. That's like that's like being a patient at the Betty Ford Clinic and then just realizing it's Ric Flair was the patient. He never really he was never really cured of his alcoholism. So there you go. Horrible. Oh, that's man. horrible. It's fucking horrible, bro. Horrible. British boot camp. Well, yeah, let me hold on. I'm, I'm just you go ahead. I'm going to finish marking my fucking calendar so I can remember to watch that shit. There was a story that's been circulating this past week about WWE production crew members being on a flight with Kurt Angle. And Kurt Angle was allegedly passed out from being drunk or on pain pills. And these photos were taken by these WWE production crew members and then passed around at the SmackDown tapings last week. And Kurt Angle was the subject of a lot of discussion uh, in the WWE backstage. Again, Kurt Angle has, has basically gone to Twitter and said he was sleeping on the plane. God forbid a guy be fucking passed out from sleeping. You know, the, the comments were that he was drooling. I, you know what? When I fucking sleep, sometimes I fucking drool. doesn't mean I'm fucking knocked out on fucking drugs or drunk. Uh, I think it was low class that this went down. But what leads me to this story is the fact that Kurt Angle has officially turned down a new TNA deal. That's right. Listen to me one more time, folks. Kurt Angle has officially turned down a contract extension, a new deal with TNA Wrestling. Did I not say this was going to happen at the beginning of the fucking year? Uh, no, I think, yeah, you did, but you also fucking said it last week about 10 hours before it happened. <laughs> I've been saying this for a while, that Kurt Angle's contract was up this year and he's gone. Well, back to the story. It looks like Kurt Angle's time in TNA is coming to a, an official close. Former TNA champion revealed to Jim Ross on the Ross Report podcast that he has turned down a new offer from TNA. Angle's current contract expires towards the end of September, and Angle said that as an active wrestler, he can only see himself accepting one more deal before hanging up his boots for good. The TNA Hall of Famer has made it no secret he would love one final run in the WWE before he retires. Although, if that actually happens, is another story. Angle's addiction problems got him fired from WWE back in 2006, and those problems continued while working for TNA Wrestling as well. So I'm not saying that Kurt Angle is going to end up in the WWE. I'm not even saying he's going to end up in GWF. I don't even know if he'll end up in ROH. But what I do know is that motherfucker is gone, baby, gone from TNA, along with guys like AJ Styles, and a lot of TNA originals. Gone, fucking gone. Yeah, but now this throws other shit into the mix. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, like you said, anyone who's sleeping, I mean, oh, a guy was sleeping on a plane, he was drooling. Well, people, so what? People are petty, dude. They need gossip. That's what you got to fight. People want gossip. You know, I'm not saying, maybe he was passed out drunk. I wasn't on the fucking plane. I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. Because the guy's fucking drooling? doesn't mean he's fucking intoxicated or did they ever think maybe he's one of these guys who maybe just doesn't want to mention it maybe he doesn't like flying he's afraid of flying he takes a little something i mean i've known guys like that 
who've taken a sleeping pill or something before getting on a plane or a Xanax. I mean, with his past problems, he probably shouldn't be doing that. But, I mean, maybe it was something legit. I mean, just a picture of someone sleep. You know, that's why I always said, bro, you could offer me $50 million. But if the condition was I had to have, like, Michael Jackson fame with it, where I can't even take a shit without a camera being stuck in my window. See, the problem is I'd end up in jail because cameramen would die. I could not live like that. And that's just one of the things with being a celebrity, man. Like, you can't go anywhere or do anything. Fuck that life. I'd rather be poor. Yeah, I hear you. But anyway, I'm not going to speculate on what's going on with Kurt Angle. Uh, I wish him luck. I Selfishly, I want him to have one last WWE run where he's maybe a part-time wrestler that wrestles maybe WrestleMania and some of the key events. Because think of the talent that guy could mix it up with. I mean, it, it, it really. He could do wonders uh, for certain guys in that company. And I think Kurt can still go. Will he pass a physical? Fuck, I don't know. But I want the DVD treatment. I want the Hall of Fame for Kurt Angle. I want him to finish his career where it began. And I want him to have that send-off when he does finally retire. And I think he will. I think he will end up back in the WWE. Just just saying. I think that's going to happen. But again, the bottom line, doesn't matter where he goes from here, if he works the local independent show. He ain't fucking working for TNA after September. And it's funny that he's in a position where he's an authority figure on the, you know, on TNA. It's going to be just like when Hulk Hogan walked away and fucking Dixie Carter wrapped herself around his fucking leg. She's going to do the same thing to fucking Kurt Angle because his ass is going to be gone too. What's the incentive to stay? He's won every title in the fucking company. He's a TNA Hall of Famer. There's nothing left for him to do. No, you know what's going to be hilarious? Now take a breath. You're going to love this. They've already done August, so they're probably filming September's tapings while we're doing the show. It's going to be funny when they have, like, shit that they're finally airing in November and Kurt Angle is on impact as a GM whilst being in WWE. Yeah. Memorex are live, baby. Memorex are live. A uh, couple, we got, like, three stories left, and then we're done with this. As most of you noticed last night on Monday Night Raw, they did, in fact, and I was vindicated in this one, too, when the news broke that Sting was doing this cryptic tweeting. I told, you, I told everybody what it was. It was for the fucking video game. It was for 2K15. It's exactly what it was. They sent out a casting call weeks ago. We covered that on the show. I told you exactly what they were looking for. That's exactly what we saw last night. The orchestra, the Sting lookalike, Sting in face paint. He's a pre-order bonus for 2K15. Now, pre-order bonus means if you don't pre-order the game, you do not get the code for the DLC. Most people are thinking they can get that later. It's just like with the Ultimate Warrior last year. If you did not pre-order that, Ultimate Warrior has still not been made available to you, to my knowledge. He was never released as DLC that you could buy. He was a pre-order bonus only. So Sting is going to have two generations of Sting, the Surfer Sting and the Crow Sting, and they are pre-order bonus. So you have to pre-order the game to get them. Hmm, that's kind of like... I get what they're doing, but you, su- you should still make the motherfucker available like six months later. And they used to do that. You know, people were waiting for Warrior to, to become available like in January, and it didn't happen. And it's, I haven't been online in a while on my W2K because I don't have... Uh, I don't have my current Xbox Live status updated, so I've just got, like, the free Xbox Live. 
So I haven't been on. I don't know if he's available for download now, if you buy him. But I know for the longest time he hasn't been. So if that's changed, let me know. But as far as I understand, he is a pre-order bonus only, and that's the only way you get Sting, is if you pre-order from GameStop or Walmart or Best Buy or Amazon or wherever the fuck you want to get the game. That's the only way you get them. Now, on the Sting front, lots of speculation and rumors. Has he signed with the WWE? Well, he must have done something. There must be a deal that's finalized because rumors were going around that they did not want to debut this commercial till he came to terms with the company. Not only that, WWE.com is now selling official Sting merchandise. They have a Sting shirt that's a black shirt that has a big scorpion on the, on the front, and they are officially selling Sting merchandise, which tells me they have a talent agreement that has been signed, and Sting is now officially a member of the WWE. That's what I read today, and I was like, okay, if he just signed with 2K, yeah, the video game deal, but <clears throat> excuse me, but merchandise, that has to be something with WWE. That has nothing to do with 2K. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the, the, the T-shirt deal is with WWE. 2K paid for the likeness of Sting. That is their deal. That's not WWE's deal. So that's the point. He does have some sort of a talent deal and agreement with them. Right, that's what I'm saying, because like when I heard he had the 2K deal, I'm like, okay, that's 2K. But he's still avoiding that straight-up WWE deal. And then today I go online and read You Can Buy Merch, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> something going on. According to Shifty in the chat, they did make Warrior available after the third DLC pack dropped. Okay, that's news to me. I, I was under the impression that they didn't release him that way, but... That's fine. So if you don't pre-order with Sting, I guess you got to wait like seven, eight months, maybe a year before you get him. So, again, it costs $5 to fucking pre-order. Just fucking pre-order if you want him. It's not hard to do. I now, do it every they, year. It's not a big deal. It's five bucks. Now, do they take the price of the whole game out as soon as you pre-order or not until you pick it up? You can, you can do one of two things. You can, if you want, pay for it up front. The $5 you put down on a pre-order is not an extra 5 bucks. That goes toward purchasing the game. So if I go in, the game is 60 bucks, and I put $5 down, I still owe $55. Yeah, but it's cool because you don't have to pick it up until – you don't have to pay for it until you actually pick up the game. So at the end of the day, I guess the whole pre-orders are just for them to have the numbers out there because – it makes perfect sense. I mean, why not pre-order for 5 bucks if you can get an extra character who you may have to wait 12 months for? In this case, two extra characters if you're a Surfer Sting fan. Exactly. So, I mean, shit. Hell yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do it every year because I get the game every year. It doesn't matter to me. But for those of you that are Sting fans and you want to do it, it seriously, it's $5 toward the cost of, of the game. Just put it down. It's not a big deal. Or you can wait. Whatever. Yeah, we'll see what kind of numbers they get. We shall see. But uh, the other story that I have, like I said, Sting officially looks like he has signed a contract. Uh, one of the other stories involves Vince Russo. A tale of the weird, folks. Very weird. Um, Vince Russo has tried to bury the hatchet with one Jim Cornette, who wants nothing to do with this. I think Wendy's even tried to get involved and said, you know, they'd host him to a Baconator. And Cornette wants no part of this. But Vince Russo is trying to make peace with Jim Cornette. 
and Cornette's sticking to his guns. He fucking hates Russo. Whether you like Jim Cornette or not, he does have a beef with Russo. Why it's there, I don't know, but I'm not going to hold that against the guy. I just think it's funny when he goes off on Vince Russo. But Russo has tried to extend the olive branch. Well, this has gone to the point where it's not going very well, and it looks like they should just forget about this. But on the Vince Russo front, uh, there were rumors that he's been working for TNA for a, for a while as a consultant. He has denied this a lot in the past. No, I'm not working for them. No, I have nothing to do with them. Well, Vince Russo released the following statement on his website concerning rumors that he's been working as a consultant for TNA. Recently, I accidentally sent an email to a third party that was not meant for their eyes. The email concerned my current involvement with TNA Wrestling. TNA rendered my services as a consultant to work with their announced team of Mike Tanay and Taz. The condition from their side was that I kept it confidential between the two parties. As their employee, it was up to me to honor their wishes. So that's indeed what I did. My integrity means everything to me. So I just hope you can understand and forgive me. Vince you Russo know, and integrity in the same sentence makes me laugh. You know, it's weird. It's like when you hear the shit Cornette has to say. But then I've also seen, and I'm not defending anyone here. I've seen like interviews where Russo talks about how he's accused of like killing Owen Hart. And I've, I've literally seen the man break down in tears over that. You know, I think it's just a case where probably Vince Russo is mostly what people say he is. But I just think like, you know, man, Cornette hates you so fucking much, whether it's warranted or not. I mean, there's people I can't stand who other people maybe like. I mean, it's just I, I don't know why he would be trying to do this. It's not going to work. That's not, no. you know, you can't bring your Christian beliefs into it because Cornette doesn't care about that. Agreed. Agreed. But, you know, it is what it is. Vince Russo's fessed up that he is working for TNA as a consultant and he kept it secret because that was the agreement with TNA. So he he's been outed. We know. Rumor confirmed. Well, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, Russo, it's like, uh, just a never-ending tale. I mean, how could you be so dumb to send an email that was intercepted, you know? I mean, yeah. you know, TNA, they're like the government when it comes to keeping a fucking secret. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, our last news story of the day. Mike Johnson has noted that WWE have officially removed CM Punk from the main roster and placed him in the alumni roster. That indicates, folks, that he is officially done with the company. If you didn't know, his contract is up in, I think, two days. On the 17th, his contract is officially up. Punk tweeted the following this evening after this happened. Nope. Thank you. Speaking to the fans. Thanks for all the help and support through the years. Health and happiness above all. Don't ever take shit from anybody. That's a classy motherfucker right there, that CM Punk. Wow. So like, rather yeah. than say thanks, WWE, for all the time there, whether he had a fucking beef or not, he chose to be a classless fucking asshole. You know, of all the people over the years that have lived up to the name, boy, did Phil Brooks ever live up to the name Punk. I just can't see how anyone could like, like this guy anymore. It just amazes me. How, like, still the fans that, that love this fucking guy, I don't get it. Did I like Punk at one time? Yeah. 
But was he like my favorite of all time? Not even close. I mean, he was good. He is good, I should say. I think this sums it up. My tribute to CM Punk. Good fucking riddance, you fucking asshole. I don't know what happened between them, and I'm not going to sit here and speculate. My issue is, and always will be, that this guy fucking was made a fucking millionaire. He was made a fucking star. They gave him the longest fucking title reign of the modern era. Oh, so what? He had to fucking lose to Rock? There was a reason for that. He didn't fucking like that shit. Oh, he didn't like that he wasn't the main event guy? Sorry, I never saw him as the main event guy. Sure, Punk was over. I'll give him that. But he wasn't the guy. He had a nice little run. Good for him. I'm not going to sit here and fucking say the WWE did him right or they did him wrong or what led to the problem. My issue will always be that he went out like a fucking bitch He fucking walked out on his contract, and he wasn't a man about it. Men honor their obligations. A contract is an obligation. If you can't fucking do the job, don't sign the fucking contract. I have no sympathy. I could give a fuck what he does from here on out. Fuck you, punk. Good riddance. Goodbye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Before we close this, I got to ask you something. What's one other thing? I want to see if anyone gets this. What's one other thing that they gave Punk that they gave no one else? And the hint is, I'm sorry. I don't know. Refresh my memory. CM Punk was the only person, even above Austin, who in a promo completely owned and made Vince McMahon look like a bitch. That's a good point. That is they a good point. They even gave the selfish cocksucker that and he still still whined. Yeah, I think he's a, he's not a punk, he's a fucking bitch. But hey, AJ Lee's still working for him, so at least somebody in the family's making a paycheck. Yep, punk, you better get used to rubbing those feet, buddy. You know, and if it was so bad, why is she still working for him? Again, I don't know what happened. I know that there were rumors he was banged up and his heart wasn't in it. Well, fine. There are other ways to fucking deal with the situation. You don't just fucking walk out. You know what? He couldn't have fucking did commentary for six months. He couldn't have fucking said, hey, man, I'm too banged up to do this. It's not that I don't want to wrestle Triple H. It's not that, you know, I think I deserve better. I just I need time to rest and relax. To my understanding, he's not even contacted them. He has refused any contact from any member of that fucking office. Again, that's going out like a bitch. My opinion might not be popular. I don't fucking care if you people like it or not. Fucking send your hate mail to me if you want to. SNSRadioUnplugged at Yahoo.ca. I don't give a fuck. I'm expressing my opinion. I have no respect for this douchebag. And good riddance to bad rubbish. And here you've got guys like Dolph Ziggler, even Zack Ryder, though we poke fun at the guy, okay? 
you've got guys like them who Dolph has been fucked over so much. He didn't take his ball and run. He still shows up every week. And he wasn't given a 400-and-something-day title run. He's been screwed. He's still there. Emma got screwed. She's still there. There's Adam Rose, he got to be feeling like shit right now. But guess what? I can guarantee you he'll be, he'll be on Raw next Monday. That's what you do. You have balls, you're a man, and you just man up and do what you have to do. When your contract's ready to be up, if you want to go to the office and say, look, man, I don't like how you were using me, I'm sorry. You know, job me out the next few weeks, but I'm done. That's that's how you handle shit. You don't just, I mean, I don't understand, 400 and something day title run and you won't even, you know, it's like a little kid. I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want to talk to you. Well, have you ever heard fan reports from him? Like when they when they run into him in the airport at five o'clock oh, in the morning. He's a complete fucking douche. He's a dick. He doesn't fucking. fucking care about his fucking fans. Like he's an asshole. Most guys will go out of their way and fucking sign autographs. Now I'm not saying if you follow him into the bathroom that he should be nice about it. Fuck you. If you're in the airport, you're courteous to the guy. You know he should at least be like, hey man, thanks for being a fan. But he's a fucking dick to everybody. So fuck him. And now he wants to do a podcast. That's the big rumor. He's got a new project. He wants to do a podcast. Well, go do a goddamn podcast. I'm sure your fucking sheep will listen to you. I don't fucking care. Good riddance. I mean, even Hogan, as much of an asshole as I've, I've heard he can be. He's good to his fans. Oh, fucking even Kevin Nash said it got to the point where I told him I'm not traveling with you anymore. He said this motherfucker will stop anywhere. He'll sign autographs. He's, he's good with the fans. Whether you like Hulk or not, at least he's got that kind of respect. He knows where his fucking money comes from. Well, he knows how to fucking play the fans. He'll go out there and be nice and, and do whatever. He might put on an act to do it, but Hogan will go out of his way to fucking play nice with the fans. Punk, he don't give a shit. And that's why his fucking... Fame with me is done. I don't care what he does from here on out. I don't care if he ever wrestles again. I'm done. I don't care. I was a fan for a brief while. Not anymore. So good luck. Congratulations, Phil Brooks, on your future endeavors. Hope you have a game plan. Yeah, man, good luck because Triple H ain't signing you. If Vince, God forbid, passes away tomorrow, you're really fucked. Supposedly he's got more money than God. He'll be fine. Whatever. Good luck to him. Yeah, good. Keep going to your little fucking hockey games. Hockey season's about to start, so we'll see him in the news again, sitting there in a stupid jersey. Have fun. Anyway, that is going to do it for the news of the week. We're going to take our final commercial break, check the email, and then wrap things up. Originally, I was going to talk Transformers, but I guess Mindwipe actually uh, did his own review, so there's no point. And really, I enjoyed the movie. If you If you saw it, maybe you did too. If you didn't, oh well. Uh, I won't spoil it for you, Bronx. So with that being said, let's go and take our final break. We'll come back, read some emails, wrap it up, and uh, call it a night, bro. You're listening to SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back right after this. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend and all-around nice guy. You're listening to the SNS Radio Network, and you've made the right choice.
wrestling fans? Do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. I don't consider myself a normal podcast host. I like to think of positives in wrestling before I strike judgment. Brian Maverick Bertrand. I just feel that everyone deserves to have a second, third, fourth, fifth chance if they learn from their mistakes. Running the ropes. Do I consider CM Punk a crybaby? No, because he would have done exactly what everyone else in the entire world would have done in his situation. Hey guys, Brian Maverick Bertrand here, and you can catch all the live recorded episodes of Running the Robes every week with a special broadcast on Thursdays right here on the SNS Radio Network. Can I just get an intern that's not going to accidentally sabotage my show for once? <laughs> Come on. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Just a reminder for you to listen to Sunday Night Showdown every pay-per-view Sunday as I'll be joined by my broadcast partner, the Bronx Father, Tony J. Mirabella, Harmony Boom Boom Jackson, and Mark the Shark DiCarlo as we provide the best pay-per-view coverage of the WWE. And it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, every pay-per-view Sunday. Sunday Night Showdown, your home for WWE pay-per-view coverage. In times of battle, chaos reigns, and the sheep quickly turn into wolves. Men will do whatever it takes to claim victory, and their true nature will come to light. I am prepared to enter the battleground. Are you?
Welcome back to Unplugged with Bronxzilla, Tony J. Marabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, on the SNS Radio Network. All right, we're back right here, unplugged on the SNS Radio Network, getting ready to wrap things up in our final segment of the night. I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. He is Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella, or after tonight, Puddles. <laughs> Puddles, oh, that's a new one. I'll tell you, man, that lady who brings us back from break, she just has talent, man. Talent to burn. She does. That's why I married her ass. <laughs> <laughs> Not only was she pretty, but she has talent. So there you go. And 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 she'll bring a thirsty motherfucker a Dr. Pepper. She will. Although, although I've decided this past week that was that was my that was my last Dr. Pepper for a while. I've decided that for the next little bit, I'm just gonna strictly drink water and give up the sodas. You know, it's funny. I used to drink nothing but soda, but then, like, I started, like, every day I make sure I drink at least 15 glasses of water. I mean, I drink my soda, too, but you, you got to drink the water. Yes, you got to drink lots of water, and I'm, I'm getting back to that. Supposedly, you can lose 20 pounds by not drinking the shit for six months and drinking, like, eight liters of water a day. So we're going to try that and see what happens. Oh, stop it. Just hit the fucking weights trying to take shortcuts and shit. Well, you know. I do have a couple of dumbbells, and I mean, I have weights around the house, too, but... <clears throat> dumbbells. That's what you call your co-host now? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah, okay, like you pleaded the fifth in the last three segments of the fucking show, where you ranted out everything. <laughs> fifth! I plead fifth! Well, let me see. I'm looking at the emails. There's no emails tonight. Apparently, I haven't pissed anybody off enough to send me an email, which is fine. But if you do listen to the archive and you're pissed off and you want to fucking cuss me out or you think that I have absolutely no right to feel the way I do when a motherfucker walks out on his contract and doesn't fulfill his obligations, because to me, that's a big fucking no-no and I can't seem to get that a point across to some motherfuckers in the chat room. That's my reason here. I don't give a fuck what the reason was. You don't walk out on a contract. Alberto Del Rio isn't happy, but guess what? He's on fucking TV every week, whether he wins or loses, and is talking about leaving when his contract's up. Dolph Ziggler ain't happy, but you know what? He's still under contract, and he goes out there and puts people over or fucking does whatever. But I don't see him walking out because he's going to do the right thing at the end of the day. If he's not happy, his contract's over, he'll fucking do business, he'll keep the door open for a return, and he'll leave. Because that's what a fucking man does. Well, I agree. I mean, if you're pissed off at either of us or both of us, again, SNS Radio Unplugged at Yahoo.ca, or there's another route you can go. You can join the recently eight motherfucking hundred plus people who are members of the SNS Radio Network Facebook group. I don't have the URL in front of me, but if you're on Facebook, it's real easy. Search for SNS Radio Network. You will find the group. 
and just send in a request and believe me you'll be approved as soon as possible and i'm telling you man i want a thousand by the fall by september i want a thousand and we're well on our way bro we are doing well in that department and i'd like to see if if not by the fall by the end of the year a thousand we keep growing you know and and i want to thank people that spread word of mouth and are you know supportive of the show like i said you don't have to agree with anything bronx and i say on the show if you come to the show and you're entertained or informed, that's great. I don't expect any of you to subscribe to everything that I believe in. I, I don't have an issue if you disagree with me. Well, the thing on our group is no one's ever going to you know, get angry with you for disagreeing, but you'll be challenged, and I think that's why people like the group. Have you ever seen a thread start on that fucking group that goes about 120 comments deep? Many times. Many with- times people just giving their opinion okay you know you don't have to agree with us i mean who the hell are we i mean but at least if you're going to disagree with us give us your reasons man you know we we can we can have debates without like other sites and other boards getting angry at each other we have a lot of good discussions on that group so check it out but here's the thing don't come on there and be like well i don't like this because this guy sucks because i'm going to challenge you why does he suck I want you to give me a reason why this guy sucks or why you think that. Don't just come on there, well, he sucks, and, and not be able to give me a reason why he sucks. Well, you will be challenged on this page, not by just me, but everybody on this page. We've got a lot of intelligent wrestling fans on this page. So don't think you're going to come in there and say, well, this guy sucks, and not be challenged, because you will. And that's a good thing. Shit, we got motherfuckers on this page who we don't even ask to do this who take it upon themselves to fucking post. It's like a news story comes out. Within .15 seconds, it'll be posted on the fucking page. <laughs> like before other sites get it. No doubt. No doubt. But anyway, like I said, yeah, make sure you're checking that stuff out. I want to thank everybody that has been supporting this uh, podcast. Not only Unplugged, but Get in the Zone and Beyond the Bell and EFP, all the shows on the network. I'm glad that you guys are still uh, supporting us, and we do appreciate your help. And one of the best ways to support the SNS Radio Network is to make a donation. If you feel the need to do so, that is the best way to show us the support. It does help pay some of the bills around here for the server and the you know uh, the website, little stuff like that. The Skype, we appreciate that. So if you if you want to do that, you can go to the main page, and there is a donate button at the bottom, and take paypal and you know again if you feel the need to support us we do appreciate it yeah no doubt man we appreciate it and i'm i'm always glad to have listeners in the chat and people send me feedback on shows and shit like that so we appreciate it definitely ah something else that was brought to my attention that we need to discuss really quick we i talked about this i think last week or the week before i'll go ahead and hit our outro we talked about this uh I was not someone in the know as far as iTunes because I really don't download podcasts from iTunes. But apparently, if you go and rate us, whether you like us or you don't, that does help our our rating and it helps us get more listeners. So whether you think the show is complete and utter garbage or you like the show, go on iTunes and give us a review. I do know that I was pointed in the direction that one person at least gave us a negative review, said that our show was garbage gave us one star and said that half of the show was commercials. I find it funny that in a two to three hour block that 
my commercials might run 15 minutes because I have three breaks. Apparently, 15 minutes is half the show. But hey, that guy took time out to at least give us a review and say that our show was garbage. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you from uh, iPod for not realizing there's a fast-forward button. So oh, 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 we wait, like wait, wait. your review. And, and our show also had horrible quality, sound quality. So there you oh, go. Yeah. We love it when you say that shit. So come on. Keep, keep them coming. Positive, negative. Keep them coming. Just review it. Give us something. Yeah, man, we can take it. You know, we're yeah, blog talk. We're horrible. We are. We are terrible people. Also, make sure you're checking out all the programs on the SNS Radio Network. I just named off most of them. The whole indie show covers independent wrestling. Check them out. Uh, Sticks and Flicks with Ashley. He talks movies, entertainment, four, Xbox 360s. You name it, the dude's talking about it. He talks World Cup. Uh, Beyond the Bell with Sean Beckerman, your nostalgia podcast. Get in the zone with Bronx and Farley. Unplugged, Sunday Night Showdown. You know the shows on this network. The EFP with, with Walkie and Mindwipe, talking sci-fi. Keep it coming. Make sure you're checking them out. Good shows on this network. And we do it for you. So enjoy. Yeah, and this Sunday, Sunday Night Showdown, covering Battleground, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Check it the fuck out. Absolutely. On that note, we're going to get out of here with a song of the night that was released yesterday from the new Weird Al album. And quite frankly, I think it sums me and Bronx up to a T. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week for another edition of Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll also catch you Sunday for Sunday Night Showdown. That is all. Happy trails. We are out of here. It might seem crazy wearing stripes of pride. I Instagram every meal I've had. All my used liquor bottles are on display. We can go to see a show, but I'll make you pay.
breaking a contract's pretty tacky too, I think. But maybe that's just my opinion. I'm a tacky son of a bitch, but whatever. If you don't like that, well, I got two words for you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. SNS Unplugged is not affiliated with the WWE, TNA, or any other wrestling and or entertainment organization and is exclusive to the SNS Radio Network. You, 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 you forever. Unplugged for life. Good night, bitches. We're out. Fuck CM Punk.